started after a whole heap of technical difficulties but sure mm. we're here the main thing being the technical difficulties in our soul welcome to mindful a podcast about the dispute between Israel and <laughs> cut cut the mic <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna stop with that it's, it's, not, it's not really something I should joke about <laughs> well someone's got it yeah, uh, I don't know not me though <laughs> Probably not now. No, no, no. I'll admit my shortcomings. So now we have Kieran in the room, but he's not going to say anything. So, but I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep looking to him as an audience reaction. He's going to be your proxy. Yeah, <laughs> my proxy. But I imagine viewers will be taking. Or so if he's got a smile on his face, we're going to assume you do too. Yeah, but I'm also going to be worried that maybe he's just kind of going to be like, you know, appeasing me or like you know, giving me what I want whenever it's like people are better listening. I'm going to be like. Well, I I Shut hope he does that. <laughs> That's why he's here. He's not here to start fucking rows like. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're, yeah, ba- we're so back and we're live. We're I'm half vaccinated. We're in person. Uh, starting off hot. Yeah. Vaccines. So <laughs> vaccines straight away. The only thing I can say, doing what's been so great about getting my vaccine on, I have not been without five G for days. <laughs> No, I was just tired. But the funny thing was, is like he gave me the jab, and I've had an awful lot of injections in my life, and it was the easiest injection I've ever had in my life. He gave it to me, and it was done. I was like, "What the fuck is that?" It usually, I feel like going in. So I don't know if that was him being good or the needle being that small. But <laughs> I was like, "Unreal." Well, you're used to small needles, too. Yeah, exactly. But like, fucking, <laughs> you know, usually I feel these ones pricking me. <laughs> um, it was so funny though because he he they write the time because you have to wait 15 minutes. And like I didn't expect this, but he I was wearing a shirt that has like it's like the Galway long walk on it. And he was like, Oh nice shirt, that's Galway. He's like, cool. Then he just fucking smacked me in the chest with this fucking time because he wrote like fifty minutes later on it. And I just didn't expect it. Just like <laughs> bang. I was like, Alright, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I know it's a good t shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, then they like you you're waiting outside and they're like they keep coming around checking me like, That's your fifty minutes again, go looking at it. and I was like standing there chest out, be like, Come on, it's almost time. <laughs> Pure pe- peacocking with your timestamp. Yeah, it's funny there too. Kind of seeing like older people being in. It's like, and I'm getting my bloods done today too. And it's like, no, no, no. We're we're just doing vaccines today. And it's like, but like, come on, you could take them now. And they were like, well, actually, we can because it's a HSE hack, so it doesn't nah. matter anyway. <laughs> the HSE hack. Good crack. Some other bullshit. <laughs> Some bullshit. I think it's a ploy to give us more five G tires. <laughs> Yeah, you have been talking a lot more about uh, investing in Microsoft recently too. Inve- I mean, that's where my most of my paychecks went. I can't pay rent this month. <laughs> <laughs> it's all gone to Bill Gates. Well, yeah. Well, that man needs it's all money. Paid, it's paid for his divorce, is it? Yeah, exactly, man. I don't know. <laughs> that, that man needs money. Like to be honest, like he he deserves the amount that he has, and he definitely has got it all through legal and viable means. And I just feel like I should give that millionaire billionaire my money because like he deserves it. Do you not? Do you not agree with me? You haven't gotten your vaccine yet, have you? <laughs> you make a good argument. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so Melinda's on the market anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Get her on the rebound, hey? Yeah, yeah. So do you want somebody with probably no 
no benefit to you at all. <laughs> was that one of the things you got with your vaccine? Got her phone number? No, actually, <laughs> to be completely honest, after the vaccine, I was like, God, I hate her, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like... Bill's great. So, in this, like... Love um, me some Willie Gates. <laughs> so, in this, like, uh, fantasy, does the <laughs> injection just give you, like... Why are you up to like whatever Bill Gates is feeling at the t- like you know you just experience his emotions as well? No, it was it was more like so you don't even have to wait the fifteen minutes. That wait fifteen minutes is definitely like the software update. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I feel like because that's the five G tires triangulating your position. And yeah, but I feel like I feel like because this is the first time of a vaccine on this size, it's probably like dial up internet. So that's why it's the fifteen minutes. So you're sitting okay, there and yeah. it's just in your body, it's just all and you're like Bill Gates is great and then by the end of it you're like fuck Melinda <laughs> when you like uh, after you got your vaccine you looked out the window and all you seen was that Windows XP background <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that pure weird green and blue like god that's lovely all landscape just looks like that to you <laughs> yeah yeah it was great too because like I was looking at it my folders popped up of like health time left alive <laughs> get the old hug going now nice <laughs> but um no yeah the vaccine's fine man i was just tired i just went home and slept i planned to like get drunk with my family that night or something like that yeah went to bed <laughs> but nice. it was kind of funny because like my dad got a second vaccine that day my mom got her first i got my first and she's part of america all that day i was like an hour apart all from the same place i was like this is pretty funny for my family like it's like underlying underlying conditions for the win as i say in a work like cancer is the gift that just keeps on giving to me like i got the vaccine early because of it all right stop flaunting it like oh, man. You see, <laughs> what people don't realize is that i don't really have much of an, much of a personality but because i had cancer three years ago that's a pretty interesting topic and nobody can really tell you to shut up so that's why i still talk about it just because it's interesting yeah it's like that is pretty interesting. I bet. I guess you have to keep talking. <laughs> but, uh, I guess that gives you a personality. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I guess like you know. It's a good approximation of one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I don't. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not a proper one. But people can't really <laughs> tell me off for not having one because it's like God. It's a pretty horrible thing to happen, really. So, I guess I have to let more of it. <laughs> yeah. We are coming in hot with this anyway. Because mm-hmm. we're coming in hot. Cause we're talking about Bill Gates. <laughs> Sexiest man. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> have to talk about his micro anyway. <laughs> oh, continue on from the last episode tangentially. I watched uh, the um, Caravan of Garbage on The Mask. Oh, did you? Earlier, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you watch that? No, I didn't watch it. I just watched The Mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we, um, that was our, our last episode finished, I think, was you recommending that mask, I watch yeah. The Mask, and yeah. then me and Devlin. I Smith watches in here then we had a great time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I still love it. Yeah. The, the the effects are kinda like even though they're kinda like they're, I don't think they're as dated as they should be. For that being well, like ninety like ninety four. Ninety four, yeah. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. They uh it's the same company that did the effects for um Jurassic Park and everything. No, that kinda makes so sense. So well like that those effects <laughs> were groundbreaking at the time. Yeah, and apparently Jim Carrey's face, because he could like gurn it so much as look out he could yeah, it made it easier it for the Yeah, they had over, less like. to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. I, must, I still really enjoy it. It's pure like nineties kind of movie, but like but in a really good way I feel like. Yeah, it was really fun. Like we just had a really good time. And yeah, when I was watching their video they were kinda of picking out they were kinda of, like talking about, you know, things that weren't great in it or whatever, but I don't know, when I, th- I whenever I watched it I was kinda of able to just turn off a little bit and be like take certain things like a, a grain of salt or whatever and just be like a 
whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think a part of it would have to be probably because we watched it when we were younger, possibly with the turtles. That I feel like because you can still appreciate it more that way. Yeah. But like, well, I don't. I like, I don't really a lot that held up about it. Like, I don't really have any memories of the movie specifically when I was younger. It's the cartoon, cartoon that series. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know if I did see. I, I assume I see, must have seen it at some point, but I have no memory r- watching it this time. Anyway, I was just like, yeah, it was a good crackling. Yeah. I just, I really want to see. I don't want to see a reboot of it. I want to see like a twenty, thirty years on with like Jim Carrey, him possibly in like a psych ward or something, and then like coming out of <laughs> there. And one of the things is because I'd love to do it because if you had him in psych ward, you could have him being Ace Ventura for a second, and then flipping back into the mask just for a, a cameo of his own character yeah. in a different the, movie, the, the Jim Carrey cinematic universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was something they pointed out too. That that was kind of his like. I think maybe his first big role or... In 94, he did The Mask, the first Ace Ventura movie, yeah. and... Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. And that was all within the one year. Yeah. And it was all... It's like, that's... Like, that completely made him... They're still talking about today of, like, what yeah. going him. Now, granted, I do think... I don't think the first Ace Ventura is held up that well. Is that good? But the second one is a fucking masterpiece yeah. to me. Like. Yeah, that's the weird... Th- I think, like... For just like an amazing comedy, the second one is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The first one has a bit more of a proper storyline, but yeah, at the same time, it hasn't really held up as well. So it's like kind of, yeah. I don't know, it's weird. But yeah, like definitely, like we watched. I'm looking at audience member uh-huh. McCool over We're there. We're not in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> Or one bored man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta start somewhere, man. But uh yeah, we watched it recently and it was just like this relentless fucking onslaught of jokes. Yeah. It was just <laughs> it was like, amazing. Like like some of the more like subtle ones, the one I absolutely love is you know, it starts with him and he's like pure moving, like it's on a bumpy road and it zooms out and it's the other guy's just like look, the other guy just staring at him. <laughs> yeah, like, isn't he like is that the is that there's another boy in the cars with him, isn't he? And yeah, there is. Like, yeah, and he's just he's, he's like just sitting there, pure still, just being like looking at him, being like, yeah, yeah. Like I just love it, and even just when he leaves, like the whole like Zen temple, and all the monks are like stabbing, and he's like, I've never seen him act like that before. <laughs> 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 just like because like some of the jokes are like visual gags and stuff like that there, yeah. but there's some really good like one-liners in it like that. But um, I just thought like because w- I remember years ago, like not like too long ago, like five years ago, like I rewatched him for the first time in ages. I watched the first one, and I was like, like, I don't really like it's like. This isn't as good as I remember, but I watched first one. We're gonna watch the second one. I was like, Jesus, it was just ten times better. I just couldn't yeah. like, you know. I was like, this is why it's kind of famous. But the first one still talked about more, which I don't get. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I, I must rewatch the first one because it has been a while. But I do like I've got a very fond memory of it as well. Yeah, like I love the stuff where like he goes into the <laughs> insane asylum and that, and he's like oh, yeah. in the tutu and he's playing the football and everything. And it's like let's rewind the tape, and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> And then he then he hits his head and he goes out and he he that was actually that was um he thought it was gonna be soft but he actually smacked his head like really hard there but he thought it was cushioned but it wasn't it was like cement oh so yeah when he just like yeah, sits down and goes bang yeah, so whenever he actually goes like oh it's actually him being hurt because he, <laughs> he, he he thought it was padded but it wasn't class yeah I love stuff like that um. But I mean, Masky, but I remember the animated series too, because I watched it, because I went through a, a phase there a couple of years ago, like rewatching all the old Saturday ni- Saturday morning cartoons. So it was like The Mask, the Spider Man animated series, the X Men animated series, all great intro music as well. Oh, yeah. And then. Um, X Men intro music. Yeah. That's fucking. 
that's unreal. Just a pure <laughs> power guitar. Like yeah, <laughs> it's actually it's it's funny if you try to play that riff on guitar, it's really like weird and awkward because it was actually just played on like a a keyboard. Oh really? But like a guitar sound. <laughs> yeah. So it's like really awkward. It's not like a normal shape because it's just yeah. And then um then it was obviously then the tick as well, which is one of my favorite ones. But do what I loved, I rewatched the Spider Man anime series, remember that? It's the very last episode of that. It's kinda weird, especially for like a kid's cartoon, but it like breaks the fourth wall and Stan Lee comes into it. But then not only does Stan Lee come into it, is there's like a, at the start of the episode there's like a Spider Man because he meets a whole of different versions of Spider Man and then one of them is a Spider Man and it's like who's him? And it's like we'll find out who he is later. And that Spider Man is supposed to be the voice actor Christopher Daniel Barnes who voice we voiced Peter Parker Spider Man the whole series and it goes into our real world and it's like this is a voice actor that um is like and it's like he's like it's like you know they they, they brought Spider Man to this audience and all this here stuff and it's like this is who he is. It's just like this is a really weird end to this kid show like it was. Like it all went in, went into space at one point. They had Venom. They had all these shows. And then it was just kind of, it was really like a heart. It was really good, but like really heartwarming ending. It was like I remember this as a kid, and I was like, that's very weird though yeah. <laughs> for a kid show. It doesn't end with like a big boss battle or anything there. It's literally like Stan Lee going through different versions of Spider Man to see if it's like the Spider Verse, and then it goes into our universe, and it's Christopher Daniel Barnes, the voice actor as yeah. Spider Man, just being Spider Man. Yeah, there was such a good run at 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 one point though of like all those movies like became cartoons like the mask and ace ventura man in black <laughs> the batman series came out of the 1989 batman movie ah. which is it's actually because because that movie was so popular they were then allowed to make a batman movie oh sorry batman tv show and yeah. then of course that became the that most was kind of its own yeah that was became its own thing then yeah yeah that became, became like the most definitive version of batman but the reason some of those things were so popular is like batman animated series and x-men animated series they well for the Batman animated series there was a guy that was a staff writer on it, Paul Dini, and he was a comic book writer as well. And then for the X Men series, what they used to do was it, like they would take the comic book storylines and then they would like filter out all of the shit and like all the crap because they're like right we have like twenty well actually an awful lot of these like even though they're like twenty minute cartoons they used to like be like two three or four part of episodes even the Justice League animated series is an eight part episode of like twenty minute slots, but they used to like because comics particularly in the nineties had like. If an event was like six issues long, there could be like fifty issues of tie-ins, all this other shit happening at the same time. And they're like, Yeah, fuck all that. Like we cannot put all that in a twenty minute show and it also makes it a less cohesive story. So they used to like felt right all the crap and like cut it down into like more condensed and then make it more of a seamless story. That's why the X Men and Batman anime series ended up being like so good and popular, because it was really popular comic book stories. Yeah. That they made kind of more streamlined and put it into an animated format. Yeah, I remember um watching something about that, about the X Men one specifically where they were talking about that yeah it's just like a very like succinct version of like the big the big arcs and stuff like yeah yeah and it's all most of them were like arcs from like the 80s and stuff too like which is then an awful lot of it's kind of like it's because they couldn't there. rely on people like having watched every episode so they had to like make each episode its own story and like yeah, yeah condense everything down there's a, it's kind of interesting there's actually now there's going to be on HBO Max there's going to be a new Batman animated series it's going to be, I think, more mature. But Bruce Tim, who would have been the main guy behind the Batman animated series in the 90s, and uh, and it would have been behind enough, like, the Superman animated series and the Justice League animated series and all of the DC Universe animated movies, which are very good. But then it's also going to be Matt Reeves and J.J. Abrams are involved. J.J. Abrams, I think okay. everyone would know who he is. And Matt Reeves, people might hopefully not know. Hopefully he's not. He is. Hopefully he's not right. No, but if, I think if I'm right, I think I'm right if his name is Matt Reeves. But Matt Reeves was the director of Joker. So it's kind of interesting. He's behind it. Matt, 
Is it Matt Reeves? No. no. Um, okay, so we just had a wee, uh, another, yet another technical blip. Well, um, I was going to call it a bloop, but cause it's right. like a blooper. I'm going to cut that out too. Oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> I might have listened to these. We cut out most of my stuff. It's just usually just me being like, yes, I agree. But of course, Owen. <laughs> in the interim, we worked out who, what's his name? Matt? Matt Reeves is directing the new Batman film with Robert Pattinson and it's Todd Phillips as the Joker. I got confused between two directors. And why were we talking about him? That's a good question. We were chatting about comic books and 90s animated shows mm-hmm. and then there's a new Batman animated series That's coming right. out and okay. the two producers are J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves but then it's also being done as art direction and everything by Bruce Tim, who did the Batman animated series Batman animated series Justice League Justice League Limited and all of that DC animated movies Okay. which is what I'm happy about because I don't give a shit about Matt Reeves and J.D. Abrams being in Bruce Tim is the one in that yeah, in that genre that I is going to be that's the most like I would hate the idea of J.D. Abrams and Matt Reeves coming in trying to tell him what to do because to be honest he should kind of be the other way around because he knows what he's doing what J.J. Abrams can direct and he can't do much else yeah <laughs> but what I'm saying is is most people would know Bruce Tim but he's the person I would rely on to do this right than the other two if you know what I mean yeah. well I haven't seen Matt Reeves Batman film yet but when it comes to DC animation, that's the man you want. Yeah. Um, I, and f- talking about like those old uh, like 90s cartoons and all, I think we can segue nicely into Invincible. Oh, excellent. Because that's one of the things that I noticed about... Uh, we've got four episodes. We've got a new audience member here too. Yeah, we've got another Kieran as an audience member. It's a, <laughs> it's a Kieran only. Uh, if, you're, if you're called Kieran, you can get in the audience. Mm. Four episodes we've watched. Halfway yeah. through, yeah. But yeah, that's one of the things I was thinking watching. And I was like, this is just like those old cartoons, but updated for people that have it's now grown up yeah, <laughs> that used to watch them. But like, it's also the... And I frankly want more. Yeah, but like the animated series is written by Robert Kirkman, who wrote The Walking Dead, who also wrote The Invisible Comics. And I've read the first, like... I've I've read the, the first, I think, 120 Invincible Comics. Now, I've never read any... Of the t- there's also, he did spin-offs of Guardians of the Globe. And which is featured in the show, and mm-hmm. that came out of Invincible. And he also did some of it's not in the show yet, it's like I think it's like Science Dog, which is the comic book. In the comic book, Invincible is the comic book that the main character Mark Grayson reads. <laughs> okay, it's like, but um, but they're very good. But the show, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. The voice casting, the one thing I like is the way I think I actually heard it because I watched Caravan of Garbage on it. They said at the start of the show, he's essentially Peter Parker at what everyone imagines Peter Parker, which is like the teenager who doesn't really know what he's doing, but then in Spider-Man, it's like great power comes great responsibility and learns what he's doing. But Mark Grayson kind of fucks up a lot and people die on his watch <laughs> and he accidentally kills people on his watch and, you know, there's a lot more, it's a lot more of like that kind of, of like he is really overpowered yeah. as a human being or as a, for a person and he's in the world of superheroes and a lot of people die in the collateral. That's what the show kind of yeah. does a lot more of, but yeah, it's very good. It definitely, like you mentioned, um, Watchmen, that was definitely one of the things that I was thinking of. Watchmen and The Boys mm. is the two things that reminded me of a lot. But just Watchmen, a lot of that was from like the Guardians of the Globe, like you said. Like that is that same thing as in Watchmen when you're looking at them being like, Oh, that's the that's Batman and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you're working out who they're who they're um, like allegories of yeah. or whatever, which is the same in the boys. It's like Homelander is quite obviously Superman, but yeah. it's like maybe Superman was more like uh, Industry bread, yeah. <laughs> I suppose. But um, she's only in episode four. She's so haven't finished the season yet. No, no. it's six. Ah, so I won't go too much into it. But it's it's very good though, isn't it? Because it's great voice acting and great like yeah. animation. But I just like um, they're keeping it. 
obviously because it's Robert Kirkman who's writing a lot of it, they're keeping it very true to the com- comics all the way. There's some things to notice are different, but the stuff that you kind of, if you, especially if you've read comics, you don't really want a complete direct repeat mm-hmm. because I've already read it. Not granted, I did love it, but you know, you'd you because you want something different because like. You know, because it keeps you surprised. Like, the whole thing, the guy that can, like, grow the skin over himself, what do you call him? Titan, I think. The guy that he uh, fights. That's, that like, the first guy he fights, yeah. Yeah, there's, like, the more comes out of out of him, and he was, like, uh, he wasn't made for the show, but there was a lot more in the show than he was in the comics, if you know what I mean. Okay. And it's, like, that kind of makes sense, because you, you don't want to do something just straight up of the comic book because like I've read it all before so you could see how you, if you could maybe get somebody could get bored from that so you yeah. wanted like you want to keep it keep it fresh mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I noticed um, I don't know if you picked up uh, the second episode when the aliens I don't know is that not uh, uh, well is that a spoiler spoilers I don't know. Alan Alien huh Alan Alien no no when the aliens come through the portals in the oh, second yeah. episode and I noticed that we uh I think it was supposed to be an Avengers reference. Whenever uh, the robot is like giving out orders and he goes, duplicate, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I was like, it's just like flashback to Avengers movie where it's like Hulk smash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like I was like, because I was just like, it was just a weird thing. And I remember turning around to you and I was like, I've heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the same kind of cadence idea. or whatever. Yeah. But I like that because um, you should have seen it in like. Um, like that that's that's in the comics as well because that is like I think because it shows it now that's the first time that Mark Grayson deals with death in that where the guy okay. gets killed kind of think gets his run into it but they show that in the, the comics too and it's really good because he whenever he Omni-Man goes into the portal it's actually because their time is different he's actually in there for fucking months to possibly years and he comes back but the way I kind of like the way yeah they, I like that in the cartoon he comes back with a big beard and c- yeah, you're just kind of left to like realize that it's like because I think that's what I said whenever he came back. I just turned and was like, so he's just been fucking shit up for like months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't really know how long. Yeah. I always love like, is that always a good way to tell time? Is like the beard and everything. But in the comics, we really like the way they do it. It's like one of my favorite ways is like either in a comic to be displayed is either six or nine panel structure. Because you can usually do, you know, obviously with six, it's two, 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 and th- nine, three, three, three. And you can do kind of the passage of time. or But it's not the like passage of time, it's the like passage of movement. Mm-hmm. And it, but in the comics, they do that really well. It's like, he just kind of, Omni-Man just kind of walks in the door and he's like, I'm back. And he it shows him kind of like walking in the door and then walking past. And uh, Deborah, the mom, is there and she's just sitting at the table the whole time. You can't see her and he walks in the door, walks past. And then just the last panel is her like in her head crying. It's just it was a really good panel because it was really, yeah. really makes it really like, uh, really like kind of powerful. And it's just like this because she's really strong the whole time. And it's just as soon as he's back, she's like crying because it's finally over sort of. But yeah. it's, she looks he's dead, even though he's like, even more powerful than Superman. <laughs> That's funny how, in the cartoon, it was, the, like, the opposite, because he just, like, Mark tells her, and then she's like, so we'll be late for dinner. <laughs> you know, No, but that's what I mean. She's or like something. that at the start, but oh, whenever, okay, whenever okay, he okay. comes back, is whenever the emotion kind of comes in. She's kind of broken down by that point. Yeah, because, but, like, no, it's it's kind of interesting, because you can see that it's, like, that's how she's, she be strong. She is strong throughout it all, but then, as that goes through. But it's really, like, the comic's really well written, and I think I was talking about it, it's really interesting... It's okay to say this. This is spoilers for the comic, like 120 issues in. Oh, no, <laughs> actually, sorry. I can't say this yet because he was having watched the end of the season. Well, we shouldn't talk about it even if we have because... <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we have, we've light spoilers up until episode two so mm. far. So that's I'll, I'll wait until he's finished it anyway and then we yeah. can kind of talk about it more in depth. Yeah. We'll give so we haven't spoiled anything so far. So yeah, moving swiftly on. Someone's gonna be like, it's me, the main character is Mark Grayson. Jesus Christ. 
Although J.K. Simmons is Omni Man, unreal, hey. He's great, yeah. I all the voice actors are great, yeah. Um, what else have I watched recently? Oh yeah, no need tidbit, oh, yeah. but I just like one of the characters in Alan Alien is voiced by Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen's also involved in eventually getting the live action film off in production. He's heavily involved in it because he fucking him and Evan Goldberg, the guys that did Superbad and all those movies together, they fucking loved the comics together. So they are the producers behind The Boys as well, and producers around Preacher. By the way, Preacher oh, okay. and The Boys, the comic book series, were both written by Gareth Ennis, who's from uh, Northern Ireland. Cool. Good we, good we tidbits. Yeah. Who is also quote unquote says write ultra violent stuff and is an atheist because all of the violence he's seen in his youth growing up in Northern Ireland. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Always fun. <laughs> so we actually got uh, some fan art. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll show you it here, and I think it might have to. We might have to do another special episode surrounding this fan art. So is it like hentai or something? Or? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So thinking like, where is it? Some kind of furry stuff. I'm a. I'm a bit of a fox myself. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> I'll let you describe it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Gillespie and Thomas Burke. Spotify presents What Are We Doing Here? Coming soonish. Well, that makes sense for us. Um, <laughs> I just think it's a great way of fan art, but I'm assuming this is a Fast and a Furious poster. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one because I don't watch the movies, but like. I think it's the uh, the the Jason Statham. Hob- the Rock solo Hobbs one. And Shaw, yeah. Which I only just know the name of because I, I don't know why. I don't know why there's a dog in there either. That's just my dog. All right. <laughs> she didn't know what. To, it was like me and you were got went over the Rock and Statham and then over the two females and then Idris Elba was just in the middle and she didn't know what to do. <laughs> so she just put a picture of my dog over it. <laughs> so am I Jason Statham and you're the Rock or are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm the Rock. Have you not seen my profile picture? Oh, yeah. Shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I absolutely love this fan art. I'm not gonna, I also see that I'm also some guy in a hood, and you're quite clearly the love interest. <laughs> are we not? I thought we're both women, are we not? Oh, wait, maybe that's woman too. Also, we, I wonder if, am I the love interest to myself, and you're the love interest to yourself? Well, I or hope we it's love a lo- interest to each other? Well, I hope that you're my love interest. <laughs> so, I guess this means we're going to have to do a shot-for-shot remake of this film in, like, a back garden. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... See the thing is too, it's it's what are we doing here? Which is the name of the Fierce Pit Bosses song. So actually, it can be a promotion for both. Oh yeah, well, we have to have that crossover episode like all the time. Have you guys seen this? So th- we're gonna we're gonna gonna go turn to our live studio audience. <laughs> so thanks, Davin, our um, our our fan. Thank you, Davin. W- Davin, Davin, who? Uh, Trevino. Davin Trevino, thank I you very I much. That. I'll I fix it in post. I hope, I hope, yeah, we'll f- I hope I said that right. But we'll our give you a shout out now, Dan. Prob- probably our only American listener. So I'm sorry, Aaron Morrow, who always gives a shout out. <laughs> you are now officially number two. Davin Trevino is our number one with making a fan art poster of us, which I think should be the new Spotify cover photo. But anyway. <laughs> well, I think what we're going to have to do is just do another one of our movie special episodes and watch every Fast and Furious movie, which is something I've been meaning to do anyway. I want to do that too because I loved the first two when I was a kid. Oh, and yeah. fucking God, who, who, I don't give. Any man that says Tokyo Drift is a bad movie is a piece of shit. I I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, I got me. that. I was bought that. First of all, best what 
An Oscar-worthy line is, what do you think DK stands for? I don't know, Donkey Kong. And then he says, Drift King. And that Drift? Is <laughs> 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 and at the start of the movie, what destroys, like, a housing estate. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, like, uh, both Patrick H. Willems and Cosmo Variety are, they both have done videos independently explaining why the series is so good. So, like, I've watched both of them, and I'm like, I need to watch all these, because even though they get, like, ridiculous... And change completely from being people street racing racers. in <laughs> people racing in straight lines. Might I add the most cinematically boring <laughs> thing possible <laughs> <laughs> to, being to being like heist movies and like. And I think one of them's going to they're going to space suit or something. Yeah, like. well, I hope so. They, they so only, like, I watched a video on it before. They might have been like having guys or something like that there. And they're like one of the throwaway lines is like I think Therese Gibson's like character in it at the start. He's just like a street racer. It's like the fourth or fifth movie, and it's like. Uh, He's like now the tech, te- the tech guy, and it's like the throwaway line that explained it all is he was like, "I had a life before street racing, and that's all. That's <laughs> that's all you need." <laughs> yeah. And he's like now building like fucking cars going into space and all these super fucking technological advancements. Like, and uh, I don't know if you know this about the movies, but they're actually all about family. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big <laughs> secretly. Secretly, it's all about family. I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> makes me laugh too. <laughs> so yeah, unreal. Well, maybe uh, Davin's a big fan of those movies as well. So maybe we'll get her on as like a pr- like a consultant to, <laughs> to, 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 to talk us through yeah. the, uh, the, uh, the artistic interpretation of. Yeah. Uh, see, this is really about family, <laughs> <laughs> and how families can be made up of people that are not bound by blood. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, well, I'm glad you're down because I'm definitely down. I'd do that. I'd definitely, yeah. like, I'd definitely fucking, I'd watch Tokyo Drift any day, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was bought that for, I got it as a Christmas present when I was younger on DVD and I just used to always watch it just because it was one of the, know, just because like, I had it, but I also would just like put it on and be like, this is great. Well, isn't it <laughs> it's like, got a great soundtrack too. Isn't it like the fucking, the main guy in it, like the American guy goes to Japan, isn't it that like he isn't in any of the other movies, but like the bad guy is, and he's not a good guy or something? Yeah. 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 I can't remember his name now, the character, but it's like kind of funny because it's like. And then nah, he, nah. he he like dies in that movie, but then he's in the other one, so it's like chronologically that one's like in the future. future. Yeah. yeah. And then like I yeah. can't wait to find this all out. Yeah, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it too. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Anyway, the only request that I have whenever we do eventually do these Fast and Furious films is that whenever we finish all nine or whatever there is by then, is that at the very end we watch Tokyo Drift again. Sweet. No, like, I did love that movie when I was younger. Yeah, like, me too. And I still do. <laughs> I feel like it's like, what I was saying, it's like, people be like, it's not a great movie. And I'm like, it is a it good is. movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though. I countered that with, it is, though. Yeah, exactly. It's like They started turning on it, too. That was the, that was what changed the whole series. Yeah. First two movies are about drag races, and then Tokyo Drift was about turning around corners. Yep. So where would the series be if not for Tokyo Drift? No, but man, I still even love so many humor. You know, even like fucking... I think it's Little... Is it Little Bow Wow? Or who is it? I think it's Little Bow Wow is the main guy. You know, he's like... They're doing the car garage thing, mm-hmm. and he's like... And like it's like they show like three really nice cars, and he's like, yeah, well, yeah, and then it's like the fucking Hulk one, this <laughs> beer, <laughs> <laughs> disgusting. It's like it's great, but like I definitely take the Hulk car. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, hope well in the near future, hopefully before any more come out. <laughs> It'd be great if we could do them all for like the premiere. Yeah. And then do one straight after the premiere. Well, I was actually thinking something that we could do for 
for something like that is watch all the Saw movies because there's a new Saw movie. I've never seen a single Saw movie. Ho ho! So that could be very interesting. That could be very interesting, yeah. How many Saw movies are there? Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> about to say, Does that yeah. including Spiral or not including Spiral? Yeah. Okay. We're Fucking we're asking hell. our audience member Kieran here, who would be quite an expert in horror movies. So this I think I've seen four or five, maybe. Nah, maybe I've seen six actually. I've just never seen him. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why, but I, I feel like those are movies I'd want to watch with other people. You wouldn't really watch them on your own that kind of way. Like, cause, well, you know, like, like there's some movies like you would like to watch on your own, and some movies you wouldn't. I wouldn't take like, because I'm pretty sure Saw is like. Probably psychological, but a like body kind of horror and gore. Yeah. I'd like only really like to watch like pure kind of like psychological horror movies on my own. If I was gonna watch a psychological horror movie, I'd say the first one is, were would be like watching your own. Yeah. And the rest, yeah, probably, because mm. they just become, they get a m- bit more spectacle after that. Yeah, but like it's not that I I see it's not that like I don't like watching horror movies on my own because I do. It just kind of depends what it is. Yeah. But I kind of would prefer like. Because you know, you imagine kind of like body gore and stuff is kind of more of like the kind of scary, but I'd prefer to watch stuff on my own that's going to more get into your head because I'd want to like, like the, think uh, about it. Sort like of. the Peter Jackson one we watched. Oh, yeah. Like Brain, that's Brain Dead is fucking excellent. No, nah, what was the one we watched? No, no, sorry. Bad, Bad taste. taste, yeah. yeah. He, he did He yeah. did do Brain Dead as well. He did do Brain Dead as well. Yeah. After. I, yeah, because I was pretty drunk that night and I kept calling him Brain Dead and you were like, yeah. Bad Taste. I was like, yeah, but yeah, right. that was a perfect <laughs> like watching a group movie. Oh yeah, like that would not be the, the same watching it on your own. Peter Jackson eating like the he- the brains of the <laughs> head, like <laughs> yeah, that was excellent. That like, was class. But that, I, I think as you said when we were watching that night, it's like one of the best things about that movie is that is a pure passion project. Like it is, yeah. it is a good watch. Like it, it is low budget, but it's it's worth a watch. Yeah. But it's definitely just pure passion project. That's like pure class. But then you're like watching it and you you watch something like Brain Dead and you're like, and then he did Lord of the Rings, which one just. Every single Oscar, yeah. <laughs> like the only movie to like when fucking just like they might might as well they might as well never left the fucking stage and just stood up there and took everything that kind of a way. Yeah, that reminds me actually. Patrick H. Williams did an interesting video there on like trilogies and like why movie trilogies generally don't work. And like, he made a point of like sort of neglecting Lord of the Rings until he's like, okay, now I'll talk about Lord of the Rings. But he was saying the reason that, that that works is because Tolkien wrote that as one story. Yeah. And then divided it up. In, yeah. So it's like, that's why it's satisfying because it was intended. But the thing was, usually with trilogies, which I never noticed before, but it's really true. And like a good example is the first three parts of the Caribbean movies. Usually the way movie trilogies work is like, you do the first one, Matrix falls into this too, and... Uh, you do the first one, becomes more successful than you thought maybe, and then the studio goes, let's get another couple of them. And then, so for example, um, what's the, what even is the fucking, the sequel to the Pirates Car- Caribbean? Um, Which one? Is, is that Dead Man's Curse? Dead Man's. And then it's the, then the third one is, what do you call the guy, The World's End? Dead yeah. Man's Chest. Dead Man's Chest. And then World's End. Oh, yeah, Chest, not Curse. Yeah. So, like, he pointed out, it's like, what what is uh, the second one about? And it's like, looking for Davy Jones' lo- chest. Yeah, Davy Jones. But that's what the third one's about, too. <laughs> so the second one's just a setup for the yeah, third one. Yeah, and, really? and The Matrix does the same thing. It's like the second and third movies are basically one. They just do the same thing. It's like, it's like the first movie is distinct, and then the second and third are basically just, like, a long setup for itself. Mm-hmm. There's the, do it, just 
because I have two interesting facts, but something to mention both Lord of the Rings and The Matrix. You know what is really interesting about Lord of the Rings, the book, and written is J.R. Tolkien invented the whole idea of the party. And that's where it comes from. So the party, if you take the Fellowship of the Rings, you know, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, all the hobbits, Gandalf and all, they all come together and they all have to go for a common goal. And it's like, kind of, like, you know, if you want to take it in, like, fantasy terms, the classic arch- archetypes, you have the wizard, you have, like, the ranger, you have, like, the warriors, and you have the elf, and you have the hobbits and stuff. But then they all come together. But then what it is, and they, you know, they all kind of split off. Mm-hmm. And then they, then you meet the characters, and you get to know the characters because they split off. And obviously, the elves and dwarves don't like each other. And at the end, they do. An interesting thing about it was he was the first person to do something like that. Of, it's like a whole group of people, and they get together for a common goal, and they get split up. And then you kind of learn about the characters, about their interactions with other people. But it's all about the party. He made like the idea of like a party, which is very common mm-hmm. now in all writing of yeah. the party, even in the Matrix. It's the party, and then like Neo is the main person, but there's the yeah. party of all them. But then in the Matrix, it's gonna say the first Matrix. You know the character Switch, the one that's only in white in the Matrix. Yes, I can't remember. It's been a while. So but the Wakashi brothers are now the Wakashi sisters, and they're ah, they're yeah. transgender, and they they take the first Matrix film as being like usually a kind of transgender arc. But Switch mm-hmm. was originally called Switch because. She was supposed to be a man in the Matrix. That's right, yeah. And a woman in... Uh, sorry, a yeah. man in the real world and a woman in the Matrix yeah. or vice versa. And I thought... I, when I heard that concept, I was like, that's really cool, actually, yeah. to kind of do it like that. But they weren't allowed to by the studio. Yeah. Which is kind of shit. Because I thought that would have been really cool. Like, it would have been an interesting kind of concept to play with. Yeah. Because it's because the, the whole point of the Matrix is obviously that's who they think they are or, like, more of their mind rather than their body. It's really funny. Um, Patrick H. Williams, he's done a lot of videos on, like... The Matrix and stuff by the Wisconsin sisters, sisters right now, right? I think they're sisters now. Yeah, <laughs> I know one of them. I think they both are. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he does a lot of stuff on them, and it's funny. He he's a big fan of Speed Racer. <laughs> the uh, the the movie the the one that they did. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did do that. Yeah. yeah. I've never actually seen it. Yeah, and no, I I really want to watch it because there's even. There was a video I was watching of his recently, and I was like, is he leading up to talking about Speed, Speed Racer, Racer again? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, he's gonna, com- he wants thread. to talk about Speed Racer again, doesn't he? Oh, because he did one on, um, what's that one? Is it Dick Dick Tracy? The old, like, detective. With all like the, the weird faces and everything. No, Dick Tracy had, like, the wristband thing, did he not? I can't remember the weird faces. Yeah, it's like the uh, with Al Pacino, and they all have prosthetics and all. Is that, or is that Dick? Is it something else? Have I got I the I name I don't wrong? think that's Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy's like from like the 50s or 60s. He's like a private eye. Yeah, but is that not the movie? Could be the movie, but if it, I just might not have seen it. Okay. Let me just do a quick... Give it a quick goog. Well, let's give it a wee interim. Do you want to find interesting about the idea of Dick Tracy and stuff? He's chatting about work, but it's like, you know, when even when you're a kid and you'd be like playing like a spy game or something, you're like talking in wrist, being like over. That's entirely real world um, technology now with smartwatches and stuff. You can actually talk to people on your wrist through your phone and stuff. So we've seen our childhood imagination become to life. Wow. And it is used to take big data from us and sell it to healthcare companies. Yeah, it is it is Dick Tracy. All like the the mob bosses all have like weird faces and shit. All right. I just don't I see I've never seen it, so I didn't yeah. know. I just know of the original um it would have been like radio series and like uh, T V show and stuff as well. Yeah, like there's Al Pacino in it. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, basically he's talk he was talking about Dick Tra- he was talking about the director that did Dick Tracy and uh, I think that's how you end up on Speed Racer again because he was saying that they basically achieved what he was trying to do with Dick Tracy. <laughs> but it's a really weird movie. I can't it's do like this with Dick with a private eye, so I'm going to do this with a Speed Racer. <laughs> well, no, it's more like just he was talking about like uh, the um, 
adapting a comic book and like that's what they that's i can't remember that director's name now but he, basically he tried that's why their faces are all like that and everything because mm. he was trying to capture the, the kind of visual style, of style the, and everything the art kind of and they did that with Speed Racer. It's like everything in Speed Racer is flat. Like there's no depth of fields because it's like trying to be like a comic book page. Yeah, That's stuff like that. I always found it interesting with like um, one of the oldest comic book movies is um, a movie that people don't usually realize is based on a comic book or a graphic novel is Road to Perdition. Oh yeah, which is an Oscar-winning movie. That's great, yeah. Which is fantastic, and it's because people don't realize it thinks based on comic book because it's not about super thing with that. It's like a, yeah. It's what I think it's a prohibition era kind of, yeah. so technically period drama, and it's fantastic. And it's Tom yeah. Hanks and all, but you tell people that's from Tom Hanks novel, and Jude Law. In Jude Law, and yeah. they're like, what? Because like that's, but that was one of the first ones that kind of made it like, yeah. I think that was. You see, I personally think that was one of the first films because it was Oscar-winning and all too. That maybe they were like, there's a lot of good stuff here that we can actually take from because. A comic book and a graphic novel is just a really, really well-made storyboard. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I, yeah. It's just a storyboard. Like, <laughs> It's like everything there. The, yep. fr- the framing and... The, and like. But like an awful lot of comic book writers now are becoming involved in TV and movies as storyboard writers and artists because of that. But uh, back in the day, that wouldn't have ever been a thing. But it's because like... If you, you know, if you can make it a comic to so doing stuff like that, well, it kind of makes sense because that is what you've been practicing doing. Yeah. Mm. Sequential art is the official term or the technical term. Yeah. Yeah, Rotobration is a great I'd movie. I may have said this before, but it's a very weird tidbit. Technically, the very first form of sequential art was Irish or Celtic monks. And what they used to do, because back in the day, the Bible was written in Latin, so it was for the learned class, and common people wouldn't have known Latin. Mm-hmm. They used to s- sequentially draw the stories of Christ in a kind of panel-ish not like not obviously for fans today, but in a kind of format for them to understand. The way I can imagine is like the, the stations across, because that can be very easily done mm-hmm. in a sequential format, because it's like twelve stations across. Yeah. And that was how they then they would use those as visual aids when explaining like so the stories from the Bible to people, and they that's technically considered the first kind of version of sequential art. And also, it's just because we're Irish and we're like we are gonna find a way to make ourselves involved or a part of everything important in history. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, that reminds me of a vi- uh, we like short documentary I watched recently on Saint Patrick and how he's basically responsible for like most of the world being able to read and write. I really didn't because know. yeah because that's just one of the things he did when he came back to Ireland. Like he basically came to he was traded as a slave to Ireland was treated like shit and then left and went to France was it where he studied oh. and became a. I cannot remember. I just remember he came from Wales, but I can't remember where he went. I think he went to like France or something anyway, and then studied and became like a priest and all this here. Mm. But then he was like, I want to go back, and I want to like, even though he was Teach. treated so badly, uh, and he basically taught ar- all the Irish people to like read, and then we became the biggest sort of exporter of like transcribing books and writing them down and basically saving a lot of like the knowledge from back then and everything. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I suppose that kind of makes sense because one of our most famous kind of artifacts would be like the Book of Kells and stuff, which is just that. It's just yeah, that's it's just, just like it's one just a of recording. It's just like that would be the most famous one. Like yeah, think of, like it's just one of many that survived. But yeah, it's, it's mad. Mm. It's really really interesting. It's just talk went into like the significance of that decision globally. It was pretty yeah, amazing. I like yeah, it suppose it makes sense because it's like it's if you're the first person to do that and then see because then because like our history and our, and. Christianity would all be important to us, and then, but surely other yeah. cultures would be like, well, this is important to us. We yeah, want to get this was, down to. It was big for our 
uh, development apparently even on its own because we were quite backwards still mm. and he came over and educated us and then educated other people who passed all that knowledge yeah. on and it really helped our culture like uh, progress and everything and then the that was just like on our scale but then globally it even had a bigger impact mm. it's very interesting yeah I don't know. I just this we did put it was like, do you want to find interesting is cosmology, which is like the study of how, like, say the universe began. The oldest cosmology department in the or in the world is still within the Catholic Church because that kind of makes sense. It's because anyone that would want to want want to find out how the universe first began kind of makes sense that the Catholic Church would want to find out how the universe began because they kind of would want to prove themselves right or find <coughs> it out and be like. Oh shit! Keep that secret. Keep that secret. Yeah, we need the money. <laughs> like the big oil companies and climate change. Yeah, the climate. What? Uh, bullshit, man. <laughs> Jurgen. As as a scientist, I can say anything, and because I don't have a doctor, I can't you know use that, it. So you it's know they did that in the seventies. It's like the all the big like oil companies and all funded research into like finding out what the crack was with climate change, and then they're like, all right, let's keep it a secret. Yeah, well, yeah, because it makes sense. He's yeah. spend money. That's why I keep saying, because I want, um, if you're ever listening, Big Tobacco, I'm like, Big Tobacco, you need to l- find a cure for cancer. Because think about it this way. If you could cure lung cancer, you could sell cigarettes to kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could think pit, about that, Mark. You could put the cure in the cigarettes. Yeah, no, but think about that. No, but <laughs> I'm just saying, no, like, I'm just saying, it's, it's, a very, it's a very wild out theory, but if you had the cure for lung cancer and Big Tobacco funded, which is a massive, massive company, it's like, you could sell cigarettes to kids again, and you could, you're unleashing a market that is incredible. Like, But you could put the cure in the cigarettes, and then if someone was like, I've got skin cancer, and you'd be like, smoke Go a Marlboro. But <laughs> my mom said that. She used to say, like, back in the day, like, fucking... Like she would be like go to the doctor for stuff and like so my mum only smoked between the ages of eight and twelve, sorry no eight and fourteen. So she started smoking cigarettes at eight because her older sister she's given to her as a joke and she took up smoking seriously as ten and then she quit <laughs> as at a fourteen. Joke. Good one, yeah, sisters. Yeah, <laughs> no, her her her, her older <laughs> she used to send me her my my aunts like my aunts used to give her cigarettes and be like smoke them smoke them back to back and watch her cough and laugh. Because it's funny to make kids smoke. Because back then, we see back then, smoking was given for people to like de stress and stuff. And it was like, it's yeah. a good thing. And then they were like, and then she was like, yeah, I started smoking properly at 10. And then she started working at like 11. And then she like stopped smoking at 14 for some reason. And she's like, even back then, like it would have been considered good. But she remembers going to the doctor. And the doctor would be like, I'll just go pick up a pack of fags. She was, <laughs> she was sick of them by the time she was at 14. Like, yeah, <laughs> she was like, fucking, I'm, 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 I'm too old for this shit at fucking 14. Like, yeah. Probably just couldn't afford them. <laughs> Um, you mentioned earlier before we started recording about a book. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, Clara and the Sun. Um, fucking. Um, so one thing I just want to give back on is the uh, the author, and I hope I'm not bad. So his name is Keizo Ishiguro, who is actually a British writer, but he was born in Japan and he's Japanese. But he doesn't even Japanese citizenship anymore, and he moved to England when he was like six, and he considered himself British. But he it's his first sci-fi novel. It's okay. a dystopian sci-fi novel, and it was released in 2019. So I think it's his eighth book. But after his seventh book, he got given a no. He only writ- wrote seven books, and he got given a Nobel Prize in literature. Wow. And I was even chatting to my, my dad about it earlier today because he's now reading it, and he's about halfway through. And he's one of those writers of like I was reading them, and it was fantastic. Like I'd, so, I was I I had heard about it just because I'd heard that it's a very good book, and it only came out last year. And um, 
supposed to be a fantastic novel to read, so I did. And then I started, whenever I f- find a novel enjoyable, obviously I start reading about the writer, and I was mm-hmm. like, Jesus, he won a Nobel Prize. But my dad said something, and I just coined it perfect. It was like, he was like, you know, I've read, you know, you read a lot of writers, and they could have like 20 books, but they have won a Nobel Prize, and I'm sure, and this guy won after seven. And it's like, because you read what he's writing, and it is just next level. It's just that good. But the what I love uh. about it is... It's a dystopian science fiction novel, but it's not dystopian in any way sense. There's no, like, poverty, overbearing government, or, like, all this here stuff. It's about somebody called an AF, which is an artificial friend, and it's basically more social dystopian. Wow. It's, which is really interesting. So, like, to be honest, like, the people, the artificial friend, which sounds like a high-end, essentially it's a high-end product, which is an AI, which is to be a friend for, like, a a 14-year-old girl. But what's interesting is because it's all from the AF's perspective, and she is so naive to the world because she's not a part of the world. She's created and she's programmed and she goes out. And it's not about her being a robot. And it's not like she's like super powerful. It's not like about her getting like rights as being like this. It's about more social dystopian that like, you know, she has to buy like a friend for a 14 year old kid. And like the kid goes to a thing called social interaction meetings. And social interaction meetings are with kids of her own age and they're graded and how to interact with kids of their own age. And this depends on them going to certain schools and you can be right, lifted, okay. which is about getting your genetics altered to be smarter and it's more like there's nothing about like the world's gonna end there's nothing about an overpowering government it's just more like social dystopian that we would get to that point yeah. where that's what you have to go through and it, it just was very interesting but also it's called Clara and the Sun because obviously the uh, the AF is solar powered and fuck me he knows how to describe sunsets and he knows how to describe sun coming in through blind because it's a very big part of it because the sun is like essentially a god to this AF or like this mystical being mm. because that is where she gets her power from but she also doesn't understand how like she the way she sees she almost doesn't understand how the way she sees the sun is not the way normal people would see the sun yeah. because she genuinely gets her power regeneration from but it's just very well written and but it's, it's just it's so ca- well it kind of sounds like she would see the sun more like um, like like uh, early people would have seen the sun as this yeah. like Life giver, like L- yeah, b- this like life giving force that they don't quite understand, or whatever. Yeah, and like it's never heavily get went into, but it's like it went into that she quite obviously is probably good at like kind of like math and stuff like this, or like whatever. But it's never really went into. It's more, but what's interesting is just her like na- naivety, and then like her watching like. So, like, the parents are divorcing it, and then the first time she meets the father, and she's supposed to be a very observant AF, and just her, like, seeing stuff from the outside, not really understanding it. But you can possibly understand it as, like, a person, and just, like, the way she looks at stuff. But the way she can look at stuff wrong, but it's so, like, naive. She's so hopeful, but, like, mm. it's... But that's what I mean. It's, like, so socially... But what I find kind of refreshing about it is because it was so socially dystopian instead of the government's going to control us. The we're going to be poverty-stricken. It's going to be... There's no, like, world war that they're, like, during in the middle of or after. It's just, like... It's kind of... It seems, like, maybe 30 years in the future. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem it like... It sounds scary. <laughs> just for you describing it, I'm kind of, like... It's kind of scary, kind of... See, the thing is, it's, it's written in such a way that it's really kind of optimistic, but then behind the surface is kind of scary because at the start like it's, yeah. n- it's not scary it's kind of optimistic at all and it starts off like a, the good so it's only written in kind of passages and it's in six parts there's mm-hmm. no like chapters it's just like you know um passage like you know like the dot the i can't remember the name of it it's like separate paragraphs it's just done that there for quite a while and then it's part two and part three but like the first part one or part two is just like the fir- most of the first part is literally her standing at the front of a shop looking out in the street 
and it's still so interesting. They're describing like taxis, people walking by. There's a, a homeless man with a dog, and she thinks he's dead at one point, and he comes alive. And she she see she attributes that to the sun, and then it's guess what kind of seems to start it all off. But it's fucking fantastic, man. Like it's one yeah. of the best books I read in a while, and I read it. I think I read it. I read it over the course of a month, but I think I read it in only four sittings. So it's just because there was like, I think one weekend I came home and I ex- and there was like two weeks. I was just really busy at work, so I just wasn't really in like I was too tired to read. But I'd I'd like I devoured it whenever I read it. Yeah. So like I read like six parts. It was three hundred and seven pages. I read it in like four sittings, and it was just fucking brilliant. Because like it's, I'd heard about it and heard it was really good. It's one of those things where there's a lot of hype about it, and then it really surpassed the hype. It's only from a year ago, but that's what I mean. His writing is just next level. Yeah, he was really. Th- it was interesting to um, you know, about the writer because he's he's Japanese. Obviously, he says that he wishes he wrote he put out a lot of his books under a different name because he keeps getting compared to Japanese writers. Which, mm. from reading a good bit of Murakami and stuff, is a lot of his writing is kind of poetic in a way too. Yeah. But <laughs> he's being compared to them because he was like, if I put it under a British name, they probably wouldn't have. Nobody would have batted an eye, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of a way. But he said, I'm always gonna be compared to other Japanese writers Although because like I'm Japanese. I'm sure he's not too bothered about getting compared to like say Murakami, like. <laughs> no, see, yeah, yeah, d- d- there's that too, yeah. yeah. But his writing is different as well. Oh, I yeah. just I love Murakami, but I just I'd recommend it. But that's his only sci-fi novel, so he mainly writes about post or pre-war periods, mainly okay. I suppose in Japan. But there's actually I'm. I must read some of his other books now. Yeah. But obviously, you've you've ever listened to this podcast, you know that I'm mainly about sci-fi, so that's why I picked it up. Yeah. Um, and it was actually one of the reasons I picked it up was I was going to the shop, and this is like two months ago, or what, not even. But for some reason, a bookshop was open, and I was like, there was only okay. shops open, and I, was, and I was like, I'm pretty sure bookshops aren't supposed to be open. But I was like, I'm going to tour in anyway, and it's a really I'm small make the one. Most of this. Yeah, I'm going to make the most. Of it. It's a really small one, and it's not secondhand or anything. So there was like a lot of just like you know, biographies about, like, Irish sports stars and stuff, which you wouldn't be interested in, walking around in school books and stuff. And I was like, Darren and Son, I was like, I've heard of that. Fuck it. I'll read it. Fucking loved it. Which nice. <laughs> is, I was, like, pure, like, chuffed with my mind. You know, it really worked out well for me. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I recently finished that one that you gave me for... It was a Christmas present that I got on my birthday. Am I right? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> so, I, so I gave you your Christmas present on your birthday, and then I gave you a birthday present, which was a whiskey, and then I gave you two books that I just thought you, I was going yeah. to give you anyway. So that was I'm sh- talking about Shadow, Shadow Play, Play yeah, yeah. yeah, by um, Joseph O'Connor. Yeah, it's that letting you get it there, is it? Because yeah. that's historical fiction, which you said you really yeah. like. Yeah, it was. It uh, it took me a wee while to get into it. Like the first quarter, maybe I was like, I don't know about this. Because he's writing in the style of that era, it's about like, it's weird too the way it like starts off. It starts off. Uh, it's basically uh, as if he's writing. As if he is p- being Bram Stoker and writing about Bram Stoker's own life. Mm. But um, it starts off with Bram like writing a letter introducing the book to his friend Ellen Terry. And he sets it up as being like, oh, I decided to, I don't know if this is any good or anything, but you might enjoy it because you're in it. And he says that, like, I decided to do it in third person because I read a, an English author do this or American author do this. And it seemed like a novel idea or whatever. So I decided to do it. So it's a li- like when I first started, I was like, it's a little bit weird. So it starts off with a letter and then goes into third person. But it's supposed to be still him, still Bram Stoker himself writing about himself in third person 
and it also jumps about in time a little bit like it starts off with him on a train and then it like he starts having like sort of flashing back to previous time so it's a little bit i don't know it took me a wee bit to get into it it's kind of a wee bit all over the place at the start yeah it's kind of hard to follow kind of yeah and just the the language like he did a like he did a really good job of writing in the style that they wrote in but at the start i just kind of felt like i feel like if he just wrote this in in like current english i <laughs> would it would have been okay into, yeah. <laughs> i would have understood that it was still like the you still got the point that yeah, you're trying to make yeah it was still uh, what the 1800s was it or yeah it would have been i think 1890s it would have been 1890s well i'm just thinking like because was, was it 1897 i'm trying to think that came out i think i'm trying to think that was it 1980 maybe it's 1980s actually it wouldn't be 1980 it would have been 1880s 1880s bram stoker like it's 1897 whenever practically came out I is think it bram stoker died in like 1910 or 10 15 i could be wrong on that oh I maybe it, no i think w- you're right actually yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be 1880 it would be yeah. 18, it would have been 1800 it was kind of like uh, i was imagining like it's victorian area yeah so yeah yeah and it, uh, yeah it's um just stuff about like jack ripper and everything in there too mm. yeah but yeah, once I got into it, then after a certain point, it just started clicking, and it was probably language. You kind of like once you kind of, because I remember that reading Dracula, it took me a while to get into language. But once you kind of well, get into it, it's, that, that's it's easier. That's the other thing too. He, uh, in the book, he 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 jumps between some of it's in the first person because some of it is like diary entries, which is what Dracula is. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That was a week. That took me a bit to get used to, but I realized that that was why he did that because he was trying to emulate the style of Dracula in this book, and like he also, I thought it was funny that like he returned to a thing that bothered me from an early Joseph O'Connor book that I was on to you about that like he did this thing where there's a middle section which is all diary entries, yeah, and it like I d- I don't like. It's like one very small thing that just kind of annoys me a little bit where instead of writing someone's full name, he'll just write their initial because it cause, cause it's a diary entry. But it's like, it just kind of, it like takes me out of it a little bit. It's like, it see for me anyway, it like sort of removes the emotional connection because you're just like, oh, M said this today. And it's like, would you not just like... I've never. What's like their a, name? <laughs> it's like just write their name. Like I yeah, don't, it's like I would. Write your, make, I, would I wouldn't write your name as E. Yeah, like I know. Yeah. It just. It, I wouldn't do that either. I've never like abbreviated a name in my journal or anything. But it's just like, who are we talking about again? Yeah. And you have to like do this extra step in your brain to be like, oh, them. Yeah. And it's it, like, just. I know what you mean. It's just that wee bit of like, because uh, you have to put that connection yeah. together of what the the letter stands for. Is that yeah. kind of wee bit of disconnect? But I didn't find it as like egregious as i found it in that other one uh the salesman that was one i, I mm. but um yeah by the time i got to the end of it i was like this is beautiful <laughs> yeah, that's good, I'm good. yeah. Liked it. it's like written in f- four parts basically it's like three acts and then there's a coda um but yeah it's just it's really really good yeah uh it's, it's like about there's a lot of uh allusions to uh bram stoker being a closeted homosexual as well which i had to like i was like read it and i was like is this like a thing did people think you was so i did a quick like w- uh wiki search and everything and yeah there was like sort of because he had a famously sexless marriage <laughs> and uh he was also friends with uh oscar wilde and then like there was kind of like oh, oscar he turned him and, <laughs> and he became he was friends or he was friends with like walt whitman and like 
at that time that was like a kind of a tell apparently a lot of people who were into Walmart when were gay men for, or something I didn't know that yeah um, and yeah I think there was something about his behaviour after like Oscar Wilde was arrested that he kind of like um, I never met that man in my life <laughs> yeah and um, the only thing I can tell you about, it, about Bram Stoker is his parents were from Ballyshannon oh and what's really interesting about that so they get it reinvented vampires and possibly raised guitarist world from Ballyshannon and like what the fuck goes on in Ballyshannon like <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um Saying all that, I I like the way they handle it too, where they never um, they never like put uh, like a line in the sand, being like, yeah, he was gay the whole time, because I feel like they can't. But I also feel like it would have been like a disservice to to be like, well, I just decided that this is the reality, because like they still treated his marriage as being like something really, like his relationship with his wife was more really toxic, maybe. Than no, like it was really like the like it was still really beautiful like the way he talked about her and like it was so even if he was it, it kind of like it didn't matter and stuff and it was just it was all handled really well yeah like i remember in i think it was the movie hoover or jagger hoover it was thing as well it was like leonardo dicaprio and i think Emma hammer in it and about the first vacuum cleaner the what oh yeah of course <laughs> first vacuum salesman and <laughs> um which of course is about the guy who started the fbi and all about yeah. this there was always rumors that he was gay but yeah. in, in that movie they drew the line in the sand at the end and it was like that he was gay and i was like yeah, but like, there's like, because like, because you see, there's that thing where you could like look back, and if you want to try and prove that he's gay, you could probably find a way. Yeah. And it's like, it's not that I've anything wrong with whatever or not he was. It's just that people were never sure. Yeah. And the fact that you'd lie in the sand, it's just, it kind of was that, because I knew that maybe, say, almost like in a meta way or outside a movie, it like takes you out of it because you're like, but like, you're like, but that sure, that was never confirmed. Yeah. Even though I know that this is fiction anyway, but like, it's just that kind of a thing where it's because it was a serious movie. It was like not taken seriously or if it was done this way, but it was just like, it takes you out of it a wee bit. Cause you're kind of like, cause you do the line in the sand. You're like, but that's probably not true. Even though it's fiction anyway, you're still yeah. like, that's for the character or for the person that it was. You It's, it takes you out a wee bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But even just as like when you're reading it and you be, you become like attached to the character of Bram then, and then like you want, like if, if they like if it was too um one way or the other like you wouldn't you wouldn't want to come away being like oh he was gay but he was married to a woman but you actually come away being like oh well even if he was his relationship with her was was really like unique and important to him and you know it didn't matter like and yeah mm-hmm. it was just um because like part of it too is like his friendship with the the actor henry irvine who like he worked in within the theater and a lot of it is about that, just like friendship and stuff, and it's yeah, it's it's really really lovely. Oh, I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, because yeah. I picked it up because because you like it. Um, started to see which, and unfortunately, I never finished. That's probably to get back to you, but I knew you liked that. And yeah, as you're saying, yeah, because I had that. Um, I got a Christmas free for ages, and I don't think it was up here too much because of COVID. And I was like, no, yeah. I finally found it. I, I found it, and I was like, it's still wrapped. Nothing doing. I was like, oh sweet, I still wrapped this. I remember. <laughs> There was one time you were here on like a, I think it might have just been like a flying visit, and you were like, "Oh, your presence in my car," and then you you were gone again. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, I, was I, like think I, I think I remember that because I was like, uh, "Your presence in my car, I must get that for you." Anyway, and just <laughs> gonna, just fucking completely forgot. Yeah. Like, I can't see any end up. Yeah, no, it was grand. I had plenty to read before it anyway, so it was, it was yeah. actually good timing. Okay. So there's a uh, something popped into my head there recently in regards to the Marvel What If series. Yeah. 
Uh, it's like a what if they explored what would happen if Ant-Man jumped inside Thanos' ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know what would happen. Is he would expand and would kill Thanos. Like it'd be, it'd be the easiest solution. Like. <laughs> it's just that it would be so great. Because I think of the last episode we were actually chatting about Remember when that was like a big fan theory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was like, I think even like it even got so big. I think even the Russo brothers were asked about. It. Like that's yeah. how you know it's big. Whenever it's like it's so big on the internet that they have to almost like ask the guy yeah. about it. Like, but I just thought it'd be so funny if they actually did explore it in like an episode of What If because it's, not, it's not, a perfect not, thing for it. Like not even an episode. They could almost just like tack it on, tack like it on to like no do all previously shot footage and just do one scene of that. <laughs> <laughs> just it's like you know, Ant Man comes back. Just do like. Just do the entire set of the end game, and then just before the big fight, it's just him going up the button, and that's it. Like it's just like the post credit scene on the first episode or something. It's just the sweet fucking five minutes of oh, Paul Rudd just jumping up the sweet <laughs> purple starfish thing. <laughs> there was um, I wrote this down because I think there was something relevant in our last episode, but I can't remember now. But um, it was a uh, skip intro. I might have even brought up the series before. Uh, he's been doing a series called Copaganda, which is like um, just exploring like the how TV shows uh, affect like the public perception of the cops in America and all. And he started with um, be CSI was no even before that. It's like uh, Dragnet and those like. Um, those like uh, true crime kind of shows and like he's done one on the wire and the shield and all he's here but the last one he did was um on the mcu mm. which is quite funny because he treated it as he's like he's like it's a tv show it's like it's been going it even has series <laughs> it's like he just like kept joke he just kept going back to it's like are you trying to tell me it's not a tv show like it's a fucking tv show it's like they've even got three, three different seasons and they've got a showrunner and phase everything one, phase two, yeah. Phase two, yeah, yeah. it's like feige is the the showrunner show yeah. it's like it's like it's a tv show so yeah it's because that's the thing about his tv about his channel it's like he doesn't do movies he just does tv yeah so uh, so yeah. that's how he got around this yeah. he, he's like yeah. i'm making this into a tv show yeah. Too, yeah but yeah it was really good i d- i feel like there was something specific that why i wrote it down to do with something we were talking about, but I can't remember what that is. But I'll just say I recommend that show and that series in general. I think it's really, really good. The only thing I know about that is because it was interesting because my first level seven, I suppose, which was in analytical and forensic sciences, we talked about stuff like that there before. And it was interesting that because of like a lot of like Red's captures, but particularly it would have been like the, it was like called. Not like called, but it was like the effect of like CSI. Yeah. Which is of course because CSI did become such a major phenomenon. But it was all about like they always find like the evidence that linked the person to the crime. And what that negative effect had on public perception was is like to be honest, like real life physical evidence is really rare. And also real life physical evidence doesn't like usually lead to a direct and like we you know, being like conclusively this person is this. And it doesn't lead to like such a straight and formal narrative, but it created that yeah. juries were expecting or wanting that, yeah. so that they would be less likely to maybe convict someone, even though they're maybe guilty of the crime, because they didn't see that this person had like fucking semen residue there, yeah. or like the, the blood samples. Like, but it's like this doesn't actually happen very much. It's like usually those actual like clues lead th- those. So those that like physical physical or like um, evidence leads to finding the clues it's not yeah. they're not the clues themselves that kind of a way yeah mm. but yeah uh, there's one i remember in particular which is like when he did blue bloods 
which is like a it's like a weird sort of it's like one of the most popular TV shows in That's America. That's like the family one, isn't it? With like Tom Selleck. Yeah, and it's, it's like all a, about the whole family, it's a family of cops, of cops and all. Like and yeah, there was one scene where like um, oh, was it was like this the cop was like threatening to throw this boy out the window, but then the guy jumped out the window to frame the cop. But it was like there was no lesson because like the cop was going to do that anyway. So it was like. It's just weird, like uh <laughs> you, um, you almost feel like that, like that thing is like uh it's like the show that episode is like the cop retelling it. It's like no, 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 I didn't throw him out the window. He jumped out the window. To yeah, make it looked like I threw him out the window, yeah, and the other cops like so backing up his shitty story. Like well, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's like the the show then frames. It's like oh my god, I can't believe the criminal jumped out the window to frame the cop. But it's like. But the cop just threatened to do that anyway, so th- the cop's still the bad guy. Yeah. But then you forget because it's like, but blue bloods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like it's like, but they are the good guys. Like. <laughs> but yeah, it's been great. I I I'm still waiting for the Reno nine one one episode though. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how that affects the cops because they did do one on um Brooklyn nine. What's it called again? Brooklyn nine nine. Yeah. Brooklyn nine nine. I really like Brooklyn nine nine. Yeah. Is that you talking about like the crop cops? I think it's like Damon Wayne's. He well, no, it's, it's just it's just an it's every episode of Copaganda is just how oh, right. it's like the kind of positive. If there's positives, then he'll go into the positives and put on the possible negatives and all. Because it's the thing is with with any of those TV cop shows, it's always idealized in some way. It's never quite like it's always unless gonna, the cops are always right or there's gonna be yeah. like, even if some cops are corrupt, it's like the, they but are like they are taken out by the the good cops. I yeah, think? like. In Brooklyn Nine Nine, there's good stories, but the thing is, that might not actually reflect reflect reality. So you can come away from a show like Brooklyn Nine Nine feeling like, oh, cool, like that's good. The cops did that, but like that doesn't mean that that actually happened in real life. So it's like that kind of thing. But you see, the one thing I say about say the likes of like Brooklyn Nine Nine, the Blue Bloods, is Brooklyn Nine Nine, is like. A comedy show first, a cop show second, if you know what I mean. It's like, you know, that is basically like, right, we're going to do, a, it's a single camera comedy show and we're going to do it in a fucking police station. Yeah. With it's a bunch of, and it's, it's an ensemble cast because you get like yeah. fucking characters. That they, and it is, I, do, I like love Brooklyn Nine, I think it's really funny. Yeah. But I feel like it'd be easier to go from that because you're like, I know that this is not supposed to be based in reality. I know that in but 20 that minutes everything's going to be wrapped but up. But that's the you. thing, it, it still will, it still affects people's perception and stuff but what i'm saying is like compared to that even though it affects people's perceptions compared to like blue bloods i feel like that would be more of an obscured because that's supposed to be a serious show so you could yeah. be like oh well this is probably based in real life whereas like you're never going to see brooklyn 99 as being like entirely based you know if you know what i mean because it's you know you could like or or fucking the wire the wire's definitely yeah. gonna be based in true life where it's like it, it's i feel like it'd be easier to kind of like separate yourself from the fact that you know that one's entertainment and all the sorry they're both entertainment you know one's more unrealistic than the next if that makes sense yeah but the it's it's more nuanced than that is what he's kind of getting at like and even in like a show like the wire it's like the cops are are still always like they they get like they come across as being more competent than they might be in real life regardless like there's always this and like the 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 MCU one was interesting because he used that to like explore how America is basically the global police because that's what superheroes are. Yeah, and that's what it's like the the role superheroes have in the MCU is the same role America has in the real world. 
But the one thing I liked, at least what the MCU did, which I'm glad that they did, which is what they did in the comics, was the way the Captain America is portrayed is because in the Winter Soldier, so the first Avengers, obviously he's the war mm-hmm. hero kind of thing. In the fir- Winter Soldier, he goes against what is like the government and the world police because he goes against S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. which in the comics in like the 80s, I think it was the Reagan administration, during this has happened, he which is what he kind of becomes in like... Oh, sorry, which is what he becomes in like uh, Infinity War and Endgame, which is Nomad, which is supposed to be a super soldier without a country. Recently, because he becomes disillusioned with the American government, and I think it's during the whole Reagan period. But it's like I like the way that they did do that in the MCU because it's like cause Captain America is supposed to be like because he's like because that's the whole thing in the Winter Soldier. He's like I thought people had to commit the crime before they could be prosecuted mm-hmm. for it. And he goes at least against that. But I get what you mean because, but that's what Shield is. Is you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the world place. But like that's what America does in real life. Yeah. See themselves as, even though Shield in the movies is considered a global initiative, it seems to be entirely based in America. Yeah. yeah. And I know they do in like the Winter Soldier. There's like that one meeting where there's a bunch of different people of different like background, or, like of like of different like cultural backgrounds in the meeting. But the main guy is American. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend that series anyway. Every Sounds episode I've been finding really I just I think I've just got a soft spot for soft spot for when people do these like really niche series. Like there's a great series that uh Ahoy did on the impact of the Cold War on video games and it was just like it was just like how did you even come up with this yeah, idea? It's a very odd topic, like because I, I, I I've never even thought of that but in my it's life. Brilliant, like, like yeah. I was just like, What? It's called Nuclear Fruit and it's amazing. And it's like, yeah, I think you just have a soft spot for when people like just decide to go down this rabbit hole of a very specific thing and like see what they can get out of it. And like, like that's a great example. That episode even b- deciding to use the MCU as like a TV show just to like explore this weird fucking aspect. Now and it's like, yeah, yeah. But even though what you're saying about how it's not new and stuff, I do kind of get that. Cause think about Brooklyn Nine or like the MCU is that. Because at the end of the day, because that's still a positive effect, because I suppose, because even though it's unrealistic, because it's unrealistic, the MCU, they're all superheroes, Brooklyn Nine, yeah. so it's going to work out, I suppose. But it's still always showing them in such the positive with the good light. It's like, because even though you know, I suppose, it's just thinking now, now, it's like, even though you know it's unrealistic, you would almost like, in a, I don't know, like an inward or a childish way, being like, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, you know, it, it, it kind of makes someone, you know, it leaves you with this like positive feeling. Like there's, I think one of the episodes they talked about with Brooklyn Nine Nine was one where like, um, Terry Crews's character gets racially profiled by another policeman while he's off duty or something. Yeah, no, that's actually a pretty good episode. Though, yeah, no, th- th- that's what he talks about. It. He says it is a really good episode and all, but there's still this element of like you kind of come away being like, oh, everything worked out, and it gives you this wee like thing of being like, oh, cops aren't so bad. Yeah. Like but but that's the thing too. It's like there's no real that nest doesn't necessarily translate to real life. But you still have this feeling being like, oh, it cops does. Good. It does <laughs> translate to real life. Yeah. It's like even though it doesn't actually at all translate to real life, you're kind of like, that's you know, I know it's fiction, but there's probably some truth there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, the one thing I'll the, the power of storytelling. Like yeah, the one thing I will say, I do, I did find that episode very good because I always thought because it is like a comedy and a joke show and they did take a very serious topic and the only thing I can appreciate is they did thought to do it well but what was interesting about it was because their captain is black as well mm-hmm. and he's like you know sort of like saying that something happened to me but then he says to like Terry who's like the sergeant and he's like no you just he's like you don't say anything he's like you just have to shut up he's like because this could affect your promotion in your future career mm. and then the reason it kind of changes in the show and it's like, like I was like kind of like 
the one thing I'll say is like I almost feel like if they had stuck with that, it would have been of more of like a real world kind of thing. But the way they kind of do it, which is kind of more hopeful in the show, is the guy, the captain who's black as well, decides. Oh well, I decided I kept my head down and did all this so that whenever I was a captain or a position of power, that I could oh, change yeah. it when it happens, which is a really nice sentiment. Yeah. But I kind of appreciated that they did that because it would have been more realistic if they had just went with that of being like, no, look, you need to keep your head down, and then you can get into a higher position and you can change it whenever it. But then that also because that would have fed into the entire system of, well, it doesn't matter then if you even get into a higher position because you're just gonna still keep covering it up anyway because you're afraid of somebody younger than you. Who's of a who's a person of color as well affecting their advancement? Do you know what I mean? If yeah. they had kept it that way, it probably would have been more. It, they could have ended it on a not light note, but they're not going to do that because that's what the show is. Yeah. Mm. Do you watch any more TV shows or movies or anything? No, I don't think I've been watching really much recently. I watched the first episode of Modoc there recently. That's interesting. But Patton Oswalt, it's um, I couldn't even remember what the acronym means. It's like a. It's like a Marvel show now based on one of the guys. It's all right. I actually thought I didn't wouldn't like the animation style, but okay. I ended up liking it. It's kind of like action figures, but not action figures. Okay. But and I thought I wouldn't like it, but it actually kind of works out pretty well. But it's only the first episode, so I can't really say too much on it yet. So that's about all I've watched recently. I can think. I feel like I've watched. Oh, actually, do you want to watch movie? It's really good because I remember I watched it um, years ago. It's from twenty ten. It's an Australian superhero indie movie. Because I went through a phase whenever I was just like all super movies is like going through an awful lot of indie ones. Time it's called Griff the Invisible. Okay. And it's really good. Yeah, I was like, it was one of those movies I watched years ago and hadn't seen it, and it's it's very indie. And I was like, I kind of hope this is still good because I remember really liking it when I was like fifteen or something. Yeah. And it really was, <laughs> and because nice. it's it's really more of a romance than anything. Okay. But it's just it's although it's a superhero movie, it's more of a kind of take the piss it's not like a take the piss it's like it's a good sort of it's a really good indie movie it's just the whole like like one of the things is like he wants to try and make himself invisible so he's like hmm invisible ink so he makes like a lemon juice and vinegar thing and he <laughs> like you know like bathes like a like a like a ha- like not like a hazmat suit but like a rubber suit in it and then he's like right that'll make me invisible and he like breaks into his office to get back at the office bully like it's not like a serious film but it's yeah. also done because it's that kind of indie way, there's that kind of, there's that good kind of like humor about it, but it's really more of a romance than anything. But it's just okay. really, really, really sweet movie. But I watched it again. That I was like, good. I was like, I'm really glad that this is. I still enjoyed this, you know, that <laughs> kind of a way. <laughs> yeah, I'm still yeah. like this. Really, I'm still really glad I enjoyed this. But it's, you know, I'd, I'd actually recommend that. Yeah, I might, to watch. Che- I might check that out. It was actually really Griff? hard for me to find. Yeah, Griff the Invisible, G or I F F. Cool. But um, yeah, it's just. I really enjoyed it again. I, I watched it again because it took me ages to find it. And I was like, I hope this is still good because it took me ages to find yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I actually started watching um, an Australian TV show recently. Um, I found it too. That it's, it's kind of like a, I don't think it's a sequel necessarily, but it's like wha- a character from another movie. It's kind of like a spinoff oh. surrounding this character. Yeah. The movie is called the, the Magician, I think, which I haven't been able to f- to find. But uh, the TV show is called Mr. Inbetween. Have you heard of that? No. It's actually been one that uh, both Mike and Carrie have been recommending me to watch for like, well, the third season just started, so three years, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> At least, really. Yeah, yeah, they just keep telling me that like, they'd be like, oh, you need to watch this. The, 
they just like were like this is your type of mo- like show specifically yeah, yeah. and i eventually started it and i watched the f- all the first season there over the last week and yeah it's it's great mm-hmm. it's What's like it's just a start it's like a dark comedy and this guy he's like um you know sort of um works for a shady guy kind of like gone for hire type type guy but he's got like a you know, he's got a kid and everything and he's separated from his wife. So it's like, it's quite like low, like low stakes. A lot of time it's just him going about his life, but then he'll have to go like shoot a guy or whatever because mm. he's working for this guy or collect some money or, or all this here. But it's just like, and he's got like this sort of like um, strong moral compass according to his own sort of set of rules. Yeah, and yeah, all. yeah. Like it's like he, 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 what he considers to be strong morals, which might yeah. not be strong morals, kind of. Yeah, like there's a great, <laughs> there's I just piss myself laugh, laughing. There's a point where like, uh, he's sitting in the car with his new girlfriend, and uh, there's he's blocked in. He can't like get out of his parking space, and there's a van sitting b- b- behind him, and he's just like, oh for fuck's sake! And he beeps the horn, and then like they turn around, and he's like, what the fuck do you want? And he's like, I'll go sort this out. And they get out of the car, and then he gets out and walks up to the guy. He's like, you want to fight? He just goes. Poof! And kicks him in the knee <laughs> and just like fucking floors the guy and chases the other guy back into the van and like <laughs> I think he like I think he like goes up and headbutts the window of the car so then when he gets back into the car with the girlfriend he's like bleeding from his forehead and he's like sorry about that yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. like strong moral compass it's like yeah yeah and it's like it's okay for me to do it because he's being a dick <laughs> yeah but like then later on she's like I'm I'm quite upset about what happened here I think we need to talk about it. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah? <laughs> it's like the way he talks. It's, and it's like this, this Australian accent always makes these stuff things sound so much better, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, It's like, oh, yeah? What, what's wrong? <laughs> and it's like, uh, it's like, did you really need to do that? It's like, yeah, well, of course I need to do that. I had to, I had to get him down before his other boy came out. Because <laughs> yeah, then I would have yeah, been yeah. taking on two of them and all this years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. pure, like, thought out in his brain and everything. Yeah, it's like, yeah, in two seconds, he had, like, the, he had the whole ocular pat down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's really funny. I don't, I know what you mean about the Australian accents. If there's some Australian accents, but then the number one accent award for me, too, is definitely the New Zealand accent yeah. of that. I just think it just makes everything ten times yeah. funnier for some reason. But it's, yeah, he's a great character. He's just, like, very... Um, he never gets too like worked up. It's like he's got a Bill Murray kind of thing going on, where he's just like casually, casually can detached from everything that's going on, even if it's threatening his life. Like yeah, it's like it's. Uh, I don't know what you mean. I'm saying deadpan. It's not really deadpan. It's not like completely straight. It's just sarcastic all the time. It's like, it's like even like it doesn't matter how serious things would be. He's just kind of got this wee smirk and like yeah. you know he's just kind of being like oh, whatever. Um, like there's a part. Uh, he has to go to uh, anger management, and uh, it's like it's he's with these men who are like talking about like beating their wives and all. And he just like starts laughing and he's like, I think I'm in the wrong fucking room. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not. I like beat some cunts that deserved it. I didn't smack any women or children and all <laughs> <this year. laughs> He's like, I'm a bad guy. I'm not as bad yeah. as you motherfuckers. Like, uh, um, I was gonna say there because it. Um, I think bringing back the last podcast, you mentioned Top Secret. Mm. I watched that. Fucking. I actually meant to say, uh, the other day, uh, Cinefix put out a, a video of the top ten spy movies, and that was number ten. <laughs> <That's> like <laughs> yeah. the way they the way they do their list is like each number is like a category. Yeah. yeah. So the tenth slot was for 
comedy spy movies and that was the one that got it. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah. You mentioned to me and like, because I loved uh, like Airplane Naked Gun and all that humor and it's in there too. But like some of the jokes in that just really like got me. Like there's, there's the it one. It was me and Kieran who watched it. So we're, we're all, we're all clued in in the room here. <laughs> like the one thing, like one of the main scenes I loved is there's the scene where it starts and I was like, this is backwards. Oh yeah, yeah, and I was like, because it's Peter Cushing is the guy behind the desk, and you, uh, you, you wouldn't really know, but in Star Wars he's Tarkin, mm. which is one of the main guys. But I was like, that's Peter Cushing. I was like, and then I was like, really famous, and he takes down the the like eye scene thing, and his yeah. eyes really big, and because it kind of starts slow, and I was like, what the fuck's going on here? And I was like, yeah. this is all backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, but there's no explanation for it. It's just it's backwards. It's just because the joke is that b- English backwards kind of sounds like Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but they actually, it, it's like if you put it back, all the lines lines match up so like so whenever it, the subtitles whatever they say is that B- what they're saying yeah, yeah. but um like but yeah like that's yeah that's what i was i think i was saying to you the last time it's like uh it's got these moments where it just like goes above and beyond what's necessary for for jokes like that to, like yeah. and and but like, it's like just i don't want to it's it's a weird movie because i feel like I feel like it's a rare comedy that I you can spoil because part of the fun of it is just like not knowing what's coming next. Because like, absurdity. Because like, I think even la- last time I only I told you one joke because I didn't want to like. Yeah, the first one. I was gonna yeah. say first Yeah, because yeah. there's so many, but like even like I'll just say like one of the jokes I'm not spoiling too much. It's like one of the ones that got me is because because there's an awful lot of physical gags in it. Yeah. But there's some other stuff in it. But one of them was like I think he's in like the jail cell and his like handle whatever comes in. And he's like, I don't know. I've tried everything. I just I don't know what to do. I just can't give my wife an orgasm and it just kind of <laughs> comes out of nowhere. And then he's like, oh, here, I got you this. It's like anal thruster 9000. It's like, where the fuck did this go from? But like, the way they set it up, is like, I just didn't see it at all because you're like, right, he's trying to get him out of fucking a jail cell and it's just like, I just can't give her an orgasm. Like, I just laughed. Like, you know, it's, it's a ra- it was a rare movie where I was watching by myself and I felt yeah. like I laughed out loud. But it's just because it, it was such a good mix of you had the physical jokes and you had the, yeah. the psych eggs, you had all this. Then you had stuff like that coming out and I was like Jesus Christ like yeah it's great yeah mm. and it's also technically a, a musical which is yeah and you <laughs> said that Val Kilmer did all of the um, singing or something didn't he yeah I yeah, think cause so I think it's the first song which is the opening scene it's like skeet it, shooting skeeting and surfing I'm a skeeting and surfing USA and it's like it's like because I was like oh that's the Beach Boys and then it's like skeeting and surfing it's all the boys shooting on the surfboard just like Jesus this is excellent and they're like falling and then they shoot like near the sand and like oh <laughs> fucking brilliant like i just like oh I there's like a part where they're all piled into the back of a van and they've got like they're hanging off this van with surfboards and shotguns Guns. And, <laughs> 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 yeah. and then isn't it like he's like the he's like well he's a singer but he's also a skeet sh- skeet surfer and all it's just like oh but like because like there was just yeah yeah uh, i just i really enjoyed it because i i kind of thought i would but then i enjoyed it more yeah. than i thought i would that kind of way yeah no i was yeah it was uh I think even like I said to Kieran when I was watching, it was just like I know them. This is like my one of my favorite movies already. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> just that feeling. I was like, I'm going to come back to this. I yeah, I d- I'll actually, I'll hopefully not to spoil too much, but my favorite joke I think in it was, <laughs> and it's like they're mentioning all the guys and it's like all the French names, like croissant and stuff like this. And he's like, and déjà vu. Have we, we met, met before? before? <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Just, oh, I just, I and then they do another one at the end. It's like goodbye, deja vu. I feel like uh, I can't remember. Yeah. It's just like another like we tag on like that. It's like goodbye, deja vu. I feel like I've known you for for my whole life or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's just uh, it's just so well done. Like yeah. 
it's just like it's so it's so stupid, but it takes brains to be that stupid. Yeah, I think I think you said in the last one as well. Like they usually in the right movies, they like strict rules, which yeah. sounds like bizarre for like writing comedy like they gave themselves yeah. rules but because they did it's that's why it works so well yeah. because they had to do it this way and it's like that's what makes those jokes so yeah. funny because they're some of them just land so well they just <laughs> like deja vu when it just landed so perfectly for me like, yeah they've ru- like one of the one of the rules is like they're gonna be one joke at a time or something yeah maybe so it's that. like and i noticed that cause so it's like if there's something if there's something serious in the foreground then you have something funny in the background but it but it also means that there's always something happening but it just It'll only be one thing at a time, so it's like one thing to focus on, and yeah. like but never yeah, gets too crazy, and like yeah, you kind of have to pay attention to get the jokes that get yeah. away. But like, oh, it's just yeah, I really, really enjoyed Top Secret. I uh, really it was enjoyed great. The hey. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's unreal. Um, oh, I watched a surprisingly good movie recently, Strictly Ballroom. <laughs> you ever seen that? No. It's uh, another Australian one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Baz Luhrmann. You know, oh, unreal. Yeah, Everybody's free to wear sunscreen, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what that, what that's referencing, look it up. It's great. Yeah, if you're ever, ever feeling down about life, yeah, listen to fantastic. that. Motherfucker. That's actually one of my main songs. And if I'm feeling really down, I will listen to that because yeah. that is so uplifting. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's like his um, graduation speech or something, isn't it's it? It's a guy like called Quentin Travers. He he did like the graduation. I don't know where, when. It was like a, you know, they sometimes do it. It's like a graduation speech and they sometimes get like a yeah. guest talker. It's what he did. And I don't know who he was or anything, but it obviously was just one that just fucking was... That's one of the best speeches <laughs> ever written for yeah. all. Because it's supposed to be, I think, for high school students. It's about going on in life. And it's just fucking perfect for any point in your life, really. Yeah. <laughs> There's something I noticed. Uh, it was the first time I've ever had this thought, I think, about a, about a movie. It was always something I heard other people say. You know, it's like, you watch a movie and it's like, oh, it's got a gr- brilliant screenplay. Yeah. And it's like, that seems like a very specific thing to com- to comment on. But when I watched strictly ballroom i was thinking it's like this is a great screenplay <laughs> it's just one of those ones where it's like every it's like the story is really well told it's like it's just bizarre like i didn't really know what to think of it going in i just had heard that this was a good movie mm. and i thought it was going to be much more serious than it was but it's actually like very light-hearted but it's basically this guy who um he it starts off with like a, this competition this dance competition and he like he gets like pinned into the corner and like it's like it's taken so seriously by everyone in it the the ballroom dancing but like from the audience from your point of view when you're watching it you can see the ridiculous of it but no one no one will like no one does no, that no one will acknowledge that yeah, it's kind of so it's kind of like in that regard it's almost like it like i'm thinking of like dodgeball or something where like the commentators and like so basically the they're all dancing groups and he gets pinned in at the corner at, in the corner he's like oh god he's been cornered what will he do <laughs> and he does like these mad moves and it's like so the audience loves him but like it's you know that's not they're not ballroom moves it's like he gets disqualified or the judges don't like it or whatever and all is here mm. and yeah it's so serious and he just wants to dance the way he wants to dance and do his own moves and yeah. and be his own man <laughs> yeah and it but it's like it's just brilliantly done and like there's this like mystery going through it of like there's like deceit everyone's like lying to each other and um it's like um there's all these things with like the his partner um she leaves him to go with like his biggest rival and then he 
he turns out to be a drunk. <laughs> and all this, she ends up leaving him later on because it's like she, she has, can't control him. He keeps getting hammered and be like, I've only had a couple. <laughs> 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 and it's uh, it's just fucking, it's just a whirlwind, but it's like, it's, it, the story is just so well done that you're invested in all these different layers. Le- all the different characters, layers. all the it's different like parts. You're, it's like there's a love story that you're invested in, and there's like this mystery, and you want him to like succeed. And uh, it's just, I, I had so much fun. I loved it. And it's got a really good, like, sort of message, too. There's this sort of theme going through it of like, um, don't live your life in fear. So that's like the kind of thing. It's like he meets this uh, girl who she's like. <laughs> like one of the first like funny jokes and it's like he's been dancing on, uh, in the like the, the like the practice room but everyone's gone and then he sees her it's like how long have you been here and she's like uh about two years <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's just like we well, stupid things like that it's just like uh it's great highly recommend it uh, actually, I just remember the movie I did watch felt like kind of Peter Jackson or something you know like kind of like that kind of comedy as well just yeah. like the He's like, yeah, it's great, really, really good. Um, I actually filmed much recently, not in a comedy kind of, but a serious one. But it was very interesting. And one of the things, so Carrie, it was the two main stars for Carrie Mulligan and then Bo Burnham, the right. comedian, and uh, he was fucking great in it too. And I was kind of really happy to see him be great in it. But it was called Promising Young Woman. And I was just gonna say, I think I was, I was gonna ask you if that's what it was. I haven't seen it yet, but it's I heard it's great. It's very, very good. It's very. It does the whole thing very well. It's you know it's essentially like a revenge flick, mm-hmm. but it doesn't with the tone. It's obviously about kind of like rape culture and stuff going on. Yeah. But I feel like it does it very well. But it is very, it is very very well done. Yeah. I think, and it's just it's not like, like because he it's not like I don't know. I don't want to say it, it. It is in a way heavy handed and not at the same time. It's both yeah. nuanced but still kind of in your face. But it's just because it's basically it's about a girl that goes out. Pretend to be t- too drunk at a bar, takes a guy, a guy will take her home, and then she like acts sober, and then kind of that reaction. But like, there's a couple, there's a good amount of like kind of like kind of famous people in it, and mm. cameras. One of them I think is Adrian Brody, which is obviously most famous from OC, he's like the first guy. And yeah. what, I d- what I do like is at the very start is you do see him as like, oh, he's doing a decent thing, and it's like, nah, he's being a dickhead. It's kind of like, because it does that there well of like, you know, of it can be like a guy trying to be nice to try and do it, but what they do really well is they. They don't just do it as like a bastardation or something against like men. It's like they do it from the side of like a woman going against a woman. It's like like yeah. we don't. There's that whole thing of like, sure she would have slept with anybody and all that there kind of thing from a female perspective. But it's just it's a revenge flick. But it's very very dark, but not like too dark to be like ridiculous. Like there's some, but there's also some parts in you're like, and you can like. But you're enjoying. It's still a very good watch. Like it's very interesting. Yeah, I heard it's. I heard it's just very well done and all. Like, and yeah. I think I've seen something with like even. It's one of those ones that like you can watch it and then you can rewatch it and once you understand what's going on, it's got like this whole other thing going on. Um. Yeah. Apparently, it's just. Yeah. Really well done. I have. I haven't seen it. I've only been going off what I've heard. But. Yeah. No. Yeah. It is very well done because I seen it as a trailer for it and I was like, that sounds. V- it looks very interesting and it kind of. Um. It's just is it is a very good story. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I would definitely highly recommend that. Speaking of uh Adrian is that his first name? Adrian Brody? I think it's Adrian yeah. Brody. Uh have I brought up I watched the movie is it says recently. Brody or Adam Brody? I think it's Adrian Brody. Yeah, it is Adrian. Our oh, audience sorry. members not Audiencing. Audience says Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, have I brought up, I watched the movie with his uh, Kid Detective. Have I mentioned that on here before? No, I don't think so. No? That was really good. It kind of reminded me of, did you watch Brick? Yeah, I've seen Brick. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Actually, I think, surprisingly enough, me and you, Kieran, watched that years ago. I don't know if you remember. It's like, because it's done like a high school private yeah. eye, but he talks. He doesn't talk like a high schooler. It's kind of yeah. done like an old Everyone's school private Everyone, it's like, yeah, it's like purposely, like really over the top. That like yeah, but yeah. They, but it's like because yeah, because he's like a teenager. That's kind of the way. There's like the, all this organized crime, but it's all in a high school. And it's like yeah, yeah, yeah it's it great. It's like a very, it's very like self-aware and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, tonally it reminded me of that. Uh, Adrian Brody was a famous kid detective when he was younger, uh, who like solved all these crimes and like would help the police and like he was became famous in his town and everything. And then now he's grown up and he's like kind of become like disenchanted and stuff. And yeah, it's fucking it's brilliant like it's not like like i said it's it'd be the same category i suppose as like a weird it's like a neo-noir but it's also like a i suppose it's almost a not quite a parody maybe a satire or like it, there's Would a self-awareness I, w- I was thinking of like a black comedy sort of was yeah but like yeah. i just mean like i'm just trying to pinpoint what that genre would be because it's neo-noir but it's, it's like neo-noir but it's it's you know what you mean? Because it's because there's the whole kid detection. It's like not taking itself too seriously or understands what it is. Yeah. That kind of which is the same way Brick does because it's because it's so over the top and you say no organized crime in high school, but it's like this is like a teenager doing like detective work. So it, it's yeah. like you know a teenager can't really do detective work. Yeah. <laughs> but like he, that's the thing too. It's like he was actually genuinely really successful and like helped the cops on things and then like, uh, but there is a a big case that he couldn't solve this uh girl went missing and then it kind of it's like haunting them and stuff i don't want to get too far in it but it's really really good really enjoyed that now out of one to ten tokyo drifts how would you give it <laughs> sorry i just thought of this <laughs> <laughs> no um that sounds really interesting no because i like the idea because i like the idea of that because it the way i could kind of take the idea home kid detective which i hope it does is you could do it as like it's like it would be like a kids movie star in as an older person. That's why I imagine it. You know, it's, it's like it's like a it's kids movie. What like it's really what what it's exploring is kind of the idea of like the promising young uh gifted chi- child. gifted child who then grows up and like kinda doesn't feels lost and they're like, Oh, I thought I had they had it all worked out at, at one point, point and then yeah, and like they had it all worked out a wee bit too young or yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Kid Detective, let's look that up. Yeah, especially because I, I really enjoyed Brick. I remember I haven't seen it in years, kind of, but I do remember that I really enjoyed it whenever yeah. I watched it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've watched. I watched uh, History of Violence recently too. Oh yeah, I've I've seen that a couple of times. Yeah, I do. What I did before we get into the movie, I always find funny was Ed Harris. He's a method actor. He did method even into the press tour. <laughs> And there's the the most famous one is he was asked by a reporter what is violence and he's like violence what is violence and he like grabs a glass and like fucking smashes it on the ground and he's like that's violence <laughs> just like this pressure after the movie's been filmed and everything but what he was, was still this going for for a history of violence oh for that yeah yeah he, he fucking he picks it up and he's like that's violence and like that's sorry but anyway that's a very very good movie yeah it's very good um that's Viggo Morrison and Viggo Ed Morrison, Harrison yeah. yeah Ed Harris uh. I haven't seen it. I the, ma- the Man in Black watch. in Westworld currently. 
I'm what, um, don't, I'm not up to date in my world. Just for anyone listening, trying to work out who he is. There's, there's, there's a reference there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I remember because that's that is the one where isn't it that it's like he's like a, a bartender in a town. And then yeah, he, he works in. A, he owns a cafe. Yeah, cafe. Sorry. Yeah, yeah and then Ed Harris is scared. I was like, yeah. yeah, that was very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked how that was set up to take. I don't know how much I can get into it. It's an old movie, so I suppose. Mm. Yeah, it's old movie. Go for the the, the new well, ones. Uh, what I what I uh, what I'll just say is like he saw he um basically interrupts a crime in progress. But it, and he but saves the day. Yeah, he much. saves the day, but it's done in a way where you're like, he's done this before. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just <laughs> enough to be like. Oh, I see where this is going. Yeah, and yeah. And yeah, and it just... It he's, just he's just supposed to be a guy that owns a cafe. Yeah. He's not supposed to be able to do something it's like, like this. Yeah, you're and just it's, like not, it's not like, uh, as far as I remember, it's not like over the top. Nah. It's, it's more that they're amateurs and he's actually a professional. It's just That's like, yeah, he's thinking. like, like he has been, he did this very well. He kept his cool a wee bit too much. Yeah. And yeah. For a guy that's supposed to be a homely guy owning a cafe yeah. in a small town. Yeah, because that's the way I was thinking is because the way they did it is that because the guys that are robbing his cafe are amateurs. Yeah. And it's that he, they're meeting a professional of yeah. the game and that's how it works. But, but yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was all just very, another one that's just really well done. Yeah, and it gets very violent, but it's not. Uh, doesn't feel gratuitous. It feels earned. Yeah, and it's it's, it's not ultra violent. It's more of like the I say like in a, it's gritty. It's more grounded than, but it also it has to be violent. It's called a history of violence. Yeah, but it's not <laughs> just like it doesn't feel like just for the sake of it and just like over the top. It's like it feels earned every time they do it, and it feels like it's a, it's like to emphasize a point or something. Yeah, but I, 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 it kind of juxtaposes, I suppose, with his. Like um, with the life that he has of being so like homely, kind of. Yeah. But I, what I remember that film is like because he, if I remember, like with the violence, the violence that he enacts, even though as you're saying what he's done it before, I never felt that that was like overbearing or something. It's that whenever he's done it before, it's not that he's like, he's not he's not John Wick or something. Yeah, he's just maybe better trained or more experienced people, but he's not exactly like gonna be fucking. He's not like a superhero kind of taking it yeah. down. I remember that he's just kind of very good at his job but in a grounded kind of a way yeah. and he tried to give up the life obviously but that's what I remember about it because it was like that kind of a way I think if I remember correctly that's the way it was whereas like you know John Wick is like this boy's fucking John Wick he's gonna kill fucking a room of 40 people it's like this guy probably yeah. wouldn't do that but he's also but he can take he, care of himself he can take care of himself yeah. against two fucking amateur robbers like <laughs> yeah uh, oh I did have an idea um I don't know if we talked about this. Well, I think uh, I said to you about um, possibly coming to Athlone and recording. At oh, some yeah, point. yeah, that's right, yeah. So because I had it's actually more possible now because of what yeah, like, things are. But I had an idea sort of expanding on that for when things open up, which will be a, a sub-series of this podcast <laughs> called Where Are We At? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we can go around and tour Ireland, and mm. I think it, I think like it could actually be really good timing when things open up again to actually make the most of that and explore mm. and our see country. what the crack is and see because we can go out and explore something and then kind of talk about that. And I was thinking we could do uh, the the way I was kind of thinking about doing it is like we wherever we go we record the podcast while we're there. Yeah. Maybe not say where we're at even immediately, but then also record video and we could like so do you know what i mean it's like say we go somewhere for two nights it's like on the first night we record some 
audio in a podcast and mm. the second night we record a bit more and then that's the podcast which goes out immediately but then we ca- get like video footage and cl- put that together into like with a, the audio kind of and do it that way it could just be separate like the, the podcast yeah. can come out immediately but then further down the, the line it'd be the video the, an episode can come out and, and try, try and like uh, be like a tourist kind of thing like you know show wherever we go show off what it has to offer and stuff that'd like be really that. cool yeah it could be fun to do night not entirely in line with that, but one thing that I would be interested in trying to do with a group of people is, this is probably going to be a podcast, this is more of a personal thing, but I know for a fact that there's an Airbnb in Knock that 20 people can rent for like 30 euro each for like three nights, and you get essentially 20 bunk beds and an entire reception hall. And I just thought that would be a cool place to get a couple of bands together. Mm-hmm. Have a wee sesh and have maybe have a religious experience and lovely wee sesh. Maybe have a maybe have a religious experience and knock, which wouldn't be the first time. So it makes sense. And the reason which I noticed be the first. And, and <laughs> the reason I noticed is because there's a girl I work with or used to work with, and she did that, and she was like, "Yeah, there was like twenty two of us. We paid like thirty euro for like two or three nights to place and knock." And she showed me photos. It's like a wedding reception venue, mm. but then with a bunch of bunk beds in one room in like in like other rooms. It's like. Hmm. I know like what a, I could do a, with this. <laughs> there was a place like that around here because um, I was at a birthday there. It's got a big like, it's like, yeah, like a big hall with a stage on it, but it's also got loads of beds. Yeah, it's like it's a like hostel combined with a big like. Yeah, because because then because then you could actually do stuff of setting this up and then like or yeah. like have stuff on the main hall, which would be pure fun. You have like essentially your own. It was clash, what, yeah. what we were actually saying before we uh, went on air with the podcast was we were saying about our, like. I'd love to go to the pub, but I'd love to go to the pub and not be randomers and be with my friends and sort of thing and just chill and crack with that. But this is kind of like an extended version of that where I get a large group of my friends and then we yeah. have a large place to congregate and party. Maybe we'll do a podcast. No, no. Can we do a podcast? Yeah, we'll do a podcast. We'll just, we'll just, <laughs> just post up in a pub and like get random people. <laughs> Jeez, can you imagine that? What do you think of the state of this country? Uh, <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having a lovely pack of potatoes on my paint. I don't care about that. It's like, fucking, it's like, did you ever see that video of the uh, guy that's clearly pure fucked or possibly a junkie in Dublin? And it's like, uh, he's asked about There's like. no junkies in Dublin. Yeah. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> what did they do with them? <laughs> uh, and he's asked, and he's like, uh, he's asked, like, what do you think that's wrong with this country? And he says something that's pure on point. And it's actually about sport. And he's like, one of the things that I think is wrong with this country is. Everyone here supports English teams and English clubs. He's like, what about Irish football? Why don't we support our own club teams? He's like, F- like fuck all that English football. He's like, we can do everything with our own sport back home, but everyone supports Liverpool. Manchester. He's like, fuck, he's right. <laughs> You're like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> shit, he has a fucking point. Like, <laughs> on the good stuff. Yeah. It's true, though. Yeah. I know. I never understood. I like how like that kind of got exposed a little bit recently with the Super League shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's because they wanted to franchise it so much. Yeah, it, it then won't become even more of like that would be. It funny. just made it more obvious how, like, they're just in it to fucking bleed money off people anyway. The only thing, else but I, 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 I do like. I always think that it's like, how do you decide? It's like. It's like I support Manchester United for some reason. It's really? like, well, I support Manchester City for some reason. Like the one thing, <laughs> it's the like one, what you're doing. I always said, like, because I would have played rugby as younger, and I love rugby, and I know rugby is an English sport, but like, <laughs> one of the ways I look at it is one: the Irish rugby team is all Ireland. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. It's it's not. There's not a Northern Irish team. There's not an, a Republic yeah. Ireland team. It's an all Ireland team. So that's one thing that I think is a point going forward. Yeah. Two, 
we're quite consistently as rugby team in the top three in the world mm-hmm. and one of like f- three or five teams ever that has ever beaten the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. And I mean ever. They I mean ever. They have had very few losses and take it. I'm like, well, that's actually a, sub- a sport and a team that if we were to support... The Irish football team is shit. Let's face it. <laughs> we're like we've 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 the best we've ever done is like the semi-finals of the World Cup, and that was like twenty years ago. But th- the way I look at it is that one because it's an All Ireland team, and two because we're good at it. It's it's a great sport to follow. But then also, and then I think of like hurling. Hurling is the fastest ball sport in the world, and Gaelic football is like one of the best sports in the world. Even if you whether you like it or not, one of the best things that I love about Irish sports is they are not paid for their position and they literally play for their pride and that's yeah. what makes it actual real sport. And there's that's no what it has like over rugby. There's no like trading either no, or anything. If of that you, shit. you like it's this what it is is like you your if your grand the farthest you can go is if your grandparents are from that county. Yeah. But otherwise you play for your county. And if you play and you can't you yes you're saying no trading. You yeah. can't play for another team. You cannot. Yeah. There's no no matter how much money you have or if you want to move to Dublin, if you're from Donegal, you are playing for Donegal. You are not playing for Dublin. You are playing for Donegal. Yeah. It's what you have to do, and that's what makes it so much more sport. That's what made it so important whenever we won won Sam mm. on the musical. It's because like we hadn't won it like fucking whatever amount of years like since I was born. It was like twenty something years, and that's what made it so great. But it is entirely Donegal people. Yeah. There's no, and that's what makes it so much more of a and sport. That's, that's it too. It's like if you're into Gaelic or whatever, you you grow up dreaming of playing for your team. It's not dreaming of playing for anyone else. It's like uh, I'm gonna get good at this. I'm gonna play for Donegal. Like that's the that is th- the yeah, end goal. Yeah, you're gonna play for Gaelic. One of yeah. the ways I remember describing it to someone before, I think they were American. I was like, I don't think you understand, man. You'd be Brad Pitt, but if you play for County, <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, I was like, to be honest, I was like, I'm kind of joking. But I'm kind of not at the same time. I was like, you know, you could be like this really big movie star. But at the same time, if you play for County, like that, that really is like a royalty. Like it is. And it, but the thing is, like, if you want to play for it, you, you have to earn it. But you earn for that shirt in your back. And one of the best stories, remember, is my dad years ago used to be a lab manager, Boston Scientific. And um, he took um, a bunch of like, would have been probably, I'm assuming, shareholders members of the board or whatever they were visiting in Boston they used to have a plant there Kenny but he took them to see a hurling game my dad would always love hurling his youth and stuff and it was like Tipperary versus Kilkenny which is like two of the best hurling counties in Ireland and they got really good seats because it's fucking business is paying for it and they got down by the Tipperary and the Tipperary where people were just like you know pr- warming up before the match and they're just passing before them it was the fastest ball sport in the world mm-hmm. off at the hurling this would have been before gum shields and this would have been before all that there shit and my dad always he loves telling the story and he always says that one of the uh, American guys turned over and he's like how much do those people get paid and uh, my dad was like oh they just play for the number on their back and they just could not get over the fact that they were so skillful with the ball and they were so good at the sport and they went home and worked jobs. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, he just could not get over this fact. Like, he just was astounded. Like, because if you take, like, American football, like, like their teams can be traded by states. Like, yeah. their players are traded by states. Baseball as well. Like, that's constantly those players are being traded. Like, yeah. like w- their team could so change. That's what basketball's the about. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> basketball is really accurate representation yeah. of it all. <laughs> it's, but quite, it's actually quite a clever satire, like. Which I think I understood more after watching Moneyball. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a nothing, great movie too. I don't need nothing about baseball. I'm gonna watch Moneyball, which is a great movie. And, yeah. and Jonah Hill, I think, won the Oscar for that, and you oh, kind of yeah. see it. He was fantastic in it. But yeah, basketball it kind of makes a bit more sense then. Yeah. Because at the start, I'm just laughing because the guy they had to do fucking, I don't know, when I was really young, I was probably like 15, 16 watching it, and they're like, oh, they're giving him CPR, and the hot dog goes up and down his mouth. <laughs> and now it's like, ah, trading of players and all yeah. that shit. <laughs> Alrighty then. Alrighty. Closing thoughts? Um, I haven't had opening thoughts. Closing thoughts? I don't know. Because I haven't been out in the pub, I haven't seen many thoughts these days. Hey? You haven't <laughs> seen many thoughts? Yeah, I haven't seen many thoughts these days. Oh, wait. Kieran's here. There's a, there's a thought in the corner, our live audience. Now, what I need you to sub in is a... <laughs> I, uh, I just want to maintain as a closing thought as I rewatched that episode of It's Always Sunny recently where they decided to make a podcast and I still think we should add in sound effects. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, you know, whenever like uh, fucking is like, oh, I like that. <laughs> okay, Frank, where's my where's my roast chicken? Here, you can suck a lemon. Whatever, I'm over you, bitch. <laughs> and I, uh, actual closing thoughts. Oh yeah, so. Um, usually because we try and give recommendations to each other instead of anything else I'll try and give you something different I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube look up The Obsolete Man by um, Twilight Zone radio drama because it's um, an updated one I think that was recorded maybe th- by updated I mean recorded in the past like 20 years Yeah. but uh, the main character I think you recognize the voice or I think they might even say it at the start but I think you really appreciate who it is and you'll enjoy listening to that the main character who's voiced by okay mm-hmm. what was that called? The obsolete man. Obsolete man. Okay. It's uh, it's even it's based on one of the episodes, and it's considered one of the best episodes of the original series. And uh, <laughs> I just love both love the episode and the audio th- series. Cool. Sometimes if I'm not feeling like if I'm like not feeling like watching something, I want to lie down and listen to it instead of watching the episode. I'll listen to the episode, and sometimes I'll just watch the episode. It's really, it's one that I'll always go back to that kind of way. Nice. So uh, I think actually I'm just gonna reiterate. What I said earlier about the propaganda series. I think you should give that a watch. Well, cops are always right, man. Sounds like you need to watch this series. No, I... The answer may surprise you. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> we got a cop over here. But, like, uh, Blue, Blue Blood's proved that he jumped out the window to frame <laughs> the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Let's look it up. Just to, I really like his channel in, in general, that he's, like... Because there's so many of those video essays that focus on movies, because it's makes sense. There's yeah, a, yeah, there's it's, a, a it's a rich area to draw from. Yeah, I just like that he purposely kind of tries to stick with TV because of that. But yeah. I I do like what you mean of like how he how he figured out a way to make the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. a uh, TV show, which I can get because he's like even a series is phase yeah. one, phase two, phase three, phase four. Yeah, it's funny too in the episode that episode because as he goes on, he like kind of. He keeps he sort of comes up with more ideas of like, oh, like how ha- it is yeah. like a TV show. Yeah, kind of yeah. laughing to himself like yeah, yeah it's good. I love when you do stuff like that. Whenever, yeah. you, whenever you want to try and like find something, it's like because as you do like yeah. say dive deeper into it, then you figure out more of like why that why it is what it is that kind of a way. Yeah, and um, and that um, nuclear fr- fruit is a because that's another guy, Ahoy. Uh, he used to be called Xbox Ahoy, now he's just Ahoy. He just <laughs> does like really good um, sort of. Well, of course, he's not as good as Bill Gates. 
He just sort of sort of does. Um, it's like really, like he, he rarely puts out videos. It's it's like just now and again because they must take so much effort because they're really high production value. Like it could have like I remember after watching the Nuclear Fruit series, I was like, if this was like a documentary series on Channel Four or something, you wouldn't blink an eye. Like it's so well done. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, must look it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'll fucking do this shirt. That was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Got a wee live audience. Yeah, live audience. To be honest, I've t- I'm pretty happy with myself with how comfortable I was in front of a live audience. But <laughs> we ca- we kind of we kind of don't look at me. We get that, but we with I think actually well at least one of the Kieran said that we flicked into it right away, or like yeah. Kieran Devlin anyway said that I put into my my voice which I didn't know I had right away. <laughs> it's always easier when in person to oh hundred percent got your face to inspire me. It's easier to not talk over you. <laughs> <laughs> there's <laughs> no delay. Yeah, yeah, there's no, yeah, because it's like I have like two seconds, and I'm very much so. That sometimes I can feel myself it's like, I've got a point I need to bring up, and it's like, yeah, I'm still talking, but I'm not. But I'm also like trying to listen as well to be like, right, I don't want to that. But of course, we inspire each other. Yes, Kieran as an audience inspires me with his overwhelming laughter, which you have to put in as a background noise. I just imagine, (laughs) imagine if like, imagine if there was no mics here and you and Devlin were just sitting there watching two lads have a conversation that you you weren't allowed to take part in. It's been like this is great entertainment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every 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 two seconds, shut the fuck up! You're (laughs) you're not a part of this. It's like this is me and Owen talking right now. You just need to stay quiet. You're just like sitting there thinking to yourself, "Was like that was a great point." Yeah, yeah, it's like. <laughs> Great retort. <laughs> I'll tell him afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> not right now. <laughs> but yeah, enjoyed it. All right, yeah, and then we'll get. Uh, we're doing a saw special and a Fast and Furious special. Well, I think we should. These are going to be flat out one after the other. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully we'll do that in the two weeks I'm up anyway. It would be good, like you said, if we could do at least one of those movies in person, maybe or. Well, if that's I mean, if we do it over the two weeks, we could we could even try and marathon it. But like, but at the same time, this problem with the Fast and Furious special is like you're watching like 14 movies because we have to watch Tokyo Drift at least five times. <laughs> <laughs> Every third movie has yeah, to be Tokyo Drift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 He's like, bring that boy back. Like, Tokyo Drift is like a like a palate cleanser between courses. I don't know, but I feel like like that's the benchmark. I've only seen the first three movies, but that's the benchmark for me anyway. Like, it's the best of the first three, I think. Anyway, it's like even if it's not the best of the first three, it's the one I remember enjoying the most of the first three, and I have no idea why. It's because the cars go around corners. Yeah, I actually never thought about that before. Like, you're probably right. It's like, yeah, because it's all drift race first. This one is all. Sorry, it's all drag. I don't know if you remember the first one. It's like it is straight. Yeah, it was like they would go in a straight line, and then we do these. It was all about when you activated the NOS and it would y- do these yeah. dramatic shots where it went like zoomed into the thing and it's like the like the fuel expanded. Yeah, yeah and they, like they they do the whole like, like CGI. Yeah, it's like, like going down into the engine yeah. and like yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. then it's like, well, we've ran out of those graphics by yeah. movie two, so um, then they did a whole movie about cars going around corners. Um, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I don't think there's any NOS involved in that because you'd probably just spin out. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say personally. I prefer to do Fast and Furious first because they might have Tokyo Drift I've been talking I really want to watch it again yeah <laughs> I think we should start tonight yeah okay goodbye goodbye <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go be the Drift King <laughs> Drift <laughs> and of course Vin Diesel shows up at the end and you're like oh yes <laughs> why is he in Japan <laughs> and also he can't drift he's only able to do straight lines yeah he actually died in 
<laughs> just after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One corner just, like, just goes dro- straight Drove through. straight into the wall of that uh, multi-story car park. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so setting off. Thanks for listening. Thomas, thanks for talking. Owen, thanks for talking. And of course, find us and people in MySpace. And please call in, sign in, or definitely Devin Vino any more fucking art. <laughs> that <laughs> <it> was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I think we have to do the F- Fast and Furious special just to use that artwork as like the the, benchmark. the picture. But obviously, if we're doing the Fast and Furious special, we have to do Hobbs and Shaw too. And I'm like, obviously yeah. I haven't seen that movie, but because I was Jason Statham, I w- I don't know how it works out, but I want him to win, and you have to vote for the Rock. Of course. Yeah, being like, come on. I don't even know the problem. Maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll make our own um, Hobbs and Shaw two yeah, <laughs> between yeah. us. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw two lethal deviation, the final deviation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. What Bye. Each other in a world that's this insane